Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, the original non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by friends, comedians, and nemeses. Joining me today is my friend... Joanna. Hi. Hi, Joanna. You had me watch something. I did. Why? I can't believe you hadn't seen her. How could you have not seen her? Who haven't I seen? Her. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, you do. You saw the film. What film? Her. Who? We can go on about this for a while. And that will continue <laughs> for a while. That's right. Welcome to Burr, the story of an apprentice knife sharpener honing his craft under an impossible-to-please master knife sharpener. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, you're right. Instead, we are watching Gurr, the Invader Zim spinoff series, which follows the wacky antics of everyone's favorite adorable malfunctioning Doombot. <sighs> I thought we were here to talk about Hawking Phoenix having an existential crisis. Well, I mean, we are talking about, in fact, Her, the 2013 Spike Jones film starring Natasha Romanoff and the Joker. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was Natasha Romanoff already. That's true. I think she was in 2013 already. She was. She's been since 2008. Joaquin, long time. however, was not the Joker yet. He was not. That's a more recent development. He might have been a funny man, though. So going into this, I think I'd seen part of an ad or something for the film and thought it was a romantic comedy about a sad guy who falls in love with, like, computer porn. <laughs> this is something, like, you can see, you know, when they're doing, oh, writes a, write a very silly review of a film um, that you've seen. That uh -huh. would have been the review, the silly review for that film. Man falls in love with internet porn. Yeah. Yeah, one sentence review of the film. I mean, I think we're done with the episode now. Yeah, sure. Let's... I mean, that's it, yeah. yeah. Also, Joanna, who are you and what are you doing here? What's your background like? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, what, what is my background? I mean, I do somewhat work in film, although I'm, I'm into advertising now, so I'm an animator. You're an animator. Yeah. Don't bury the lead. You're an animator. You've really worked sorry. on film. You've worked in theater. I have. It's really fun. So why this film? Because I sent you the big, long list you of did. films that I haven't seen. And this was the one that made you go, whoa, hey, hang on. I will be honest. I was heartbroken that you haven't seen most of Miyazaki's work, but... It's on its way. But I feel ill-equipped to cover Hayao Miyazaki. You should find somebody else because he is too grand. And I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not equipped to cover that part of your, of your education in film and um, you should find a better person it's on the list. to do it. It's on the it list. is on the list. So I was heartbroken about that one, but I felt that I can, I like this film so much. And I went through a phase when I was work, I was watching a lot of sci-fi and I've reviewed it, reviewed it. I, I mean, I've, and I've seen that film a lot. So I felt more confident in helping you understand why it's so great sure. rather than, you know, saying that Miyazaki is a god among among humans. So is this, what space does this film occupy in pop culture, though? Is this like a cult classic, regular classic? Is this proper movie nerd, deep cut stuff? What is it? Hmm. I feel this is the sort of thing that if you're thinking of sci-fi, this is the sort of film that now comes up a lot because it's just so good. And it's also a very original 
take on artificial intelligence? Because usually you would see people, when you think about sci-fi, you think about all oh, futuristic things, deep thinkers. You think about the more logical part of things, the mechanics of it, the technology, that sort of idea. But this film disregards all that and focuses on the human factor and on the emotional factor of the introduction of a, of an artificial intelligence, which is not usually covered by sci-fi. So it stands on its own. And it was it's just so great. I mean, from every respect, it has. And the, the director, he has a long career of working on music videos. So you must have noticed that it had also exceptionally good music. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Where do I know Spike Jones from? What music videos did he do? Um, I can't remember the title of it, but one of his most famous ones, and I think one of the greatest music videos of all time, was one he did with uh, Christopher Walken. That was uh, Fat Boy Slim. Um, uh, was that it? That was Fat Boy Slim. I forget the name of the song. Uh, it's going to kill me. But yeah, I yeah. know the one you mean. Christopher yeah. Walken dancing through yes, the hallway. exactly. If yeah. you dance without rhythm... You won't attract the worm. That yeah, one, right? That was the one. That yeah, was the one. one. That was the one. Alstifer, also, Chris, Alstifer, Alstifer, walk in. Father Alstifer yeah. was. That's going to be a and d king. Good Lord. That was a good music video. I, I can definitely see that style in the film now you mention it. Yes. So I've noticed that because I've seen a couple of other ones. I really like his his style as a director, by the way. Um, so I've noticed that he likes to take a realistic environment and hit it with things that are uncommon, let's say, things they do not expect. Um, so he, oh, he'll hit you with like a regular dude who will just spring into dancing out of nowhere. Um the thing about this film, though, is that even though it looks normal, it also doesn't. Hmm. And I felt that was very intentional. I mean, the, the design of that film is gorgeous and it's so distinct. You, would take, you could take a still frame, I feel, from any scene and show it to someone. And if they had seen the film, they would recognize it because hmm. it has such a distinct aesthetic. So it looks regular but also it's from an, a society that's not like ours because obviously they have artificial intelligence so it's not the current time but it is the current time you know what i mean i know what you mean near future yeah, yeah. yeah so it, it yeah. felt very familiar but it was also distinct enough to, to make you understand that actually no this is not us but it is us that sort of thing so then without further ado unless there's anything else you want to stay at the front Oh, God, no. no. Don't get me started. I can never shut up about this film. <laughs> then fade in to a title card and some abrasive ambient synth music, cutting quickly to an extreme close-up of, of a middle-aged man with a mustache with the shallowest depth of field I have ever seen. <laughs> Good job to whoever was pulling focus on this shot. Like, his nose was out of focus. His ears were out of focus, but his eyes were in focus. That's so, super crazy. It's so well-made. It's so well-made. He is reciting a love letter to someone named Chris, who is presumably his husband or his lover or something like that. I think he says husband in it. Uh, seems like it's been 50 years since they've been married. Hang on a tick. How old is this guy? Um, so he's it, like, if they're married at 18, is he supposed to be like 68? Because probably, you know, wait, he's American. So that wasn't legal back then. What year is this set in? Maybe it's the future. So he's like presenting male, maybe, but refers to himself as feminine pronouns now. 
Cut to his computer screen. Looks like he's not reciting his own love letter, but someone else's. Exactly. This is a job he has. It is. Sounds horrifying, doesn't it? Yes and no. Yes and no. Hiring someone to write cool stuff for you? Hey, I commissioned someone to write a cool poem for you. Great. Writing a personal love letter to someone is uh it's a, I was creeped out. Exactly. I, I think I was creeped out. Yeah, that while. was that was the aspect of it that was the creep factor because and it, can I say this now that it's sort of acknowledged later in the film where he says that he's been doing this for so long he feels like he's part of the relationship hmm. if he's writing if somebody calls him to write a card for his girlfriends on their first anniversary and then again on the second and the fifth and the eleventh hmm. and each time he gives them he gives him um, personal information about the relationship so he knows what to write but he hasn't felt it because it's not his relationship so that's that's acknowledged as yeah not feeling the feeling but being able to to i i i feel like it's a it's sort of how the ai understands things let's say in some ways i think we are skipping ahead thematically yeah, a little bit sorry. we're just in the first knew, three shots know, of the film but, it's, but that's okay that's my that's the problem that this film is so well made that Everything has a purpose. So oh, yeah. even from the start. We're noting the foreshadowing. Th- yeah, you're, you're thrown into the deep end of it <laughs> from the very first moment. As he reviews his work, we pan across to the rest of the office where it's uh, everybody is drafting heartfelt letters for like people's anniversaries, thank you notes to their mothers, cards for weddings, and uh, a letter to a fellow soldier's funeral. Thank you for serving our country so well. Oh, boy. I don't know why that one hit me harder than the rest of them, but I was like, oh, man, you had that ghost written, eh? Maybe because that actually happens. I mean, you have people who have to write letters for dead soldiers in the army, and they don't know them, but they're part of the army, so... Depends on the army. I think normally if that kind of, like, a letter to the, the, the soldier's mother... I mean, anybody listening who's uh, who's active military or used to be or whatever, if, if you know better, then let me know. You can do that by contacting me on Twitter at one for Paul. That's one for Paul at Twitter. Yeah, that's me. So um, I think they do do like this is a person in their regiment who knew them or, uh, you know, this is a thing like people can write them letters because they're people you're allowed to do that letter from their commanding officer might be a bit more formal. And, of course, you'll get the form letter from, you know, the Queen saying, like, I'm very sorry that insert name here was killed in action. Wouldn't that depend on the scale of the war as well? Because I suppose it would depend on the scale. If, you have a, yeah. if it's a small conflict, then obviously the person who worked closely with a soldier would know. But if it's a big scale thing, uh, they might not have I the I feel resources. like you're still sharing a barracks with a bunch of dudes. Someone knows this guy. I don't know. I've I don't never, know either. I, I've I'm never guessing. been. I've never been a soldier. All I know comes from watching a lot of films. So that's not a very educated guess. We're getting sidetracks, though. Yeah. Uh, we learned that his company is called BeautifulHandwrittenLetters.com. Not sponsored. <laughs> uh, cut to the end of the day. Paul, the receptionist. Uh, hey, that's me. Greets our main character Theodore. That's the name of the mustache man we just saw. Uh, as letter writer number six one two. You like that mustache, didn't you? It's a very mustache. It is. So Extraordinarily dis- mustache. So distinct. Extremely. Who knew you could rhyme so many things with the name Penelope? 
could you rhyme anything with Penelope? Because I'm coming up short. Oh, no. You asked that to an advertiser where, where we're recording? Rhyme things with Penelope. Ah, uh, no. Let's see. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is P. <laughs> but, like, that's just the last syllable, so. I don't know. I think uh, a bad pun would work. Penelope does rhyme with bad pun, yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. You could say Vanellope. With vanilla. But that doesn't rhyme with Penelope. Vanillope? Turns out Theodore had way more rhymes for Penelope than we do. Oh, shoot. Well, he, yeah, he did. Cut to the elevator where he asks this universe's Siri equivalent, hashtag not sponsored, to play him a melancholy song and he checks his emails. Ooh, melancholy. Oh, wait. How do you pronounce that word? Melancholy. Melancholy. Oh, so it doesn't rhyme with Penelope. Oh, no, we can make it rhyme with Penelope. Melancholy. Melancholy. Yeah. It's English. There are no rules. <laughs> Name me one rule in English. I dare you. There are no rules. There that's, are no rules that's in English. A rule. That's a rule. Oh, no. <laughs> English has one rule. And the rule is that it is self... Oh, no, we're in a loop. We're, talking, we're stuck in a time loop. We need to get out. F- old Fun Him has an invitation to a party. New Mopey Him has a coupon for Famous American Electronics Shop. Hashtag not sponsored. Listening to the news, he skips past the actual important news and instead decides to view provocative pregnancy photos of a famous actor. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? They're very provocative. Oh, I, I feel provoked. <laughs> not really. Fun fact, the song playing during this scene is Off You by The Breeders. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Spike Jones, you are a magnificent man. Uh, he arrives at his apartment, which is huge, but poorly furnished. This video game he's playing looks, um... What do you think about how the control scheme of this video game works? Hmm. He's sort of, like, using his hands to sort of, like... I know. I found it funny. I I was happy to let to let go of my uh, of reality in that moment, just because I enjoyed that scene so much with uh, the video game and the little character. Um, so I I didn't really think about the gameplay aspects of it. I guess. I mean, I guess giving him an actual controller isn't near future enough. No. Would and be... video game directors don't like putting actual, real, functional things in actors' hands. I think it's, I mean, we act a lot with our hands anyway. Yeah. And I, I feel like he made it work. I mean... If you need to do that to move forward in your video game, and that's a major thing that you're doing in your video game is moving forward like 90% of the time, on a controller you hold up. With your hands, you have to do the constant motion. with Your wrists would get real tired. I mean, not in the way he was moving them around because it was a very casual sort of movement. It was not, I, it wasn't like he was putting strength behind it. Do that for 12 hours. I mean, why would you do it for 12 hours? Have you played a video game before? Yes, not for 12 hours straight. And I think your, your, your eyes would hurt more than your hands. Disagree. I have done Uh, that. It doesn't. No. I used to have a Wii. (laughs) <laughs> I can guarantee you it hurts. Motion controls are dumb. Don't do them, even in TV. No, my mind was mostly going to dancing because um, when you when you dance, you need to relax your your. Mu- I mean, depending on the dance, but for example, if you're doing tap, 
they tell you to to shake your legs for a while to get your ankle to to sort of become very like almost like a So you're suggesting that his video game is stretching. I'm suggesting that it was a sort of mo- of movement that is so automatic and so casual that it doesn't put strain on the muscles. Also, I don't know why we're having this discussion because the video games are important, damn it. <laughs> this is what the movie's about probably. This is why you lack Popular film culture knowledge. Popular film culture knowledge. Yes. That's my brand that I lack it. This is why you lack it, because you focus too much on the video game aspects. We can talk about the games afterwards. That's true. We can talk about video games another time. But uh, yeah, as he falls asleep, we get flashbacks to him with his wife moving into a new place. Seems like these images of the past are haunting him, so he cannot sleep. So instead, he decides to see who's DTF on the future equivalent of Tinder, hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, that scene was. If how did that not put off everybody off? It very nearly put. It had, listen, had I not been scheduled for this show and a recording with you, I very well would have turned it off right there and called you up and been like, Joanna, what the hell are you having me watch? <laughs> but I trusted you, so instead of turning it off, I got to see a scene where Joaquin Phoenix has cyber sex with someone named Sexy Kitten. Yeah, that's not even the hard part of that scene. His username is Big Guy 4x4, because of course it is. That's still not the hard part about that scene. So Sexy Kitten 69 and I Have a Large Penis 4x4 start to engage in role play. They do. You haven't gotten to the bad part yet. Things go well as he fantasizes about the pregnant movie star he saw earlier until Sexy Kitten XX420 No Scope XX asks him to choke her with a dead cat next to the bed. And that's where you spiral down and you think, wait, did you have a dead cat in your bed in that moment? You wanna, you've played D&D, right? You've played role-playing games. <laughs> yes. This is why you run a session zero. <laughs> it is. It really is. You need to establish what everyone's expectations are from the game. Otherwise, you'll be over here putting on your robe and wizard hat and she's in lingerie choking herself with a cat. <laughs> and this is, Yeah. This is why internet dating is scary for a lot of people. And this is, I mean, hopefully not this exact experience, but I'm sure that people out there who have tried dating apps have come across some weirdness and can empathize with poor mustache man. Yeah, he's pretty put off by this whole experience. Yeah, surprisingly so. But yours, hang on. (laughs) When you say surprisingly. I'm being sarcastic. I understand now that you've said that. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) I was worried for a second about who I was associating with. Yeah. You were about to be upgraded to Nemesis. Oh, no. One very uncomfortable scene later, uh, she signs off with a quick keg night. Uh, side note, how much fun was the actor playing Sexy Kitten having in the recording booth that day? So much fun. So much fun. This is the kind of stuff that you're like, I love my job. This is where, you know, you think, ah, so many years of working two or three jobs and finally I'm getting this back. This is, this is So many takes of just her cracking up laughing and going, okay, 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 I can go. That's fine. Exactly. That's fine. I can go again. Exactly. <laughs> That's fine. I'm afraid of derailing the conversation, but there are moments when I'm watching various shows where you see like a casual extra actor who's been hired to do a 10-minute scene, gets to live that moment again. Of, oh, yeah. This is why I'm, I, I chose this life. 
of hardship. Cut to the next morning as Theodore is on his commute and sees a slow-motion advert for a new operating system, reportedly the first artificially intelligent operating system, an intuitive entity which listens to you, understands you, and knows you. It's not just an operating system. It's a consciousness. If you'd like me to do voiceover for your advertisement, then give me a call at one for, at one for Paul on Twitter, I guess. Call me. You can call on Twitter, I guess. That's a thing you can do with Twitter, right? I've been on the internet. Isn't it lovely that they that they that they empathize emphasized that they emphasize the words consciousness? Consciousness. It's fun to say. It is fun to say, but it's also fun to think about because, like we said, this is a very well well made film, and they are already putting emphasis on the fact that this is not an AI. This is this is something that has a conscious that is conscious that you know is alive. Funny is because it was an advertising thing. I was like, oh, it's it's advertising guff. It's them making weird claims about things that aren't true. It's like our thing will change the world, and it's like it tells you what the weather is. You know, it's like our app is the best thing ever. It tells your pulse. This is this may or may not be that. I feel that that was. Again, it's, it's so it's, deliberate. It, exactly. On exactly. a second viewing, so, I was like, oh, that's why you sort of buried it in a place where exactly. I would pay attention to it, exactly. but would dismiss it immediately out of hand because that's the correct way to treat advertising. It's genius. Hashtag, if you'd like to sponsor this episode, <laughs> then please let me know. I love advertising. It's genius, isn't it? Yeah. I love that script. Ugh. Theodore has decided to buy the new OS, and uh, cutting to him installing it at home that evening, the OS installation wizard asks him some questions, which he answers like a guy who's never owned or operated a computer. Yeah, he was a bit um, awkward about it. What are you going to use the system for? Well, I suppose I'm gonna... I don't know. I'm hearing hesitation in your voice. Please hold on. Like It's, it's that sort of stuff, right? It's, he talks like a guy who doesn't know what a mouse is. I think that was deliberate as well. I hope so. Uh, he selects a female voice, sort of going, ah, if I have to choose one, that's about right, yeah. Uh, when asked about his relationship with his mother, answers like the computer voice is his therapist? That was also hilarious. That was... Was it? It was mostly confusing for it me. It was really funny. I don't know. I felt like that was a humorous moment because... Is this a reference to something I'm not getting? No, I think that... It's such a. It was such a question to ask. A computer asked him, "What is his relationship with his mother?" So you already understand that this system will do a deep dive into this per, into this person and get to know them in a way that the therapist would. So it's supposed to make you feel a bit uncomfortable, and also he puts him on the spot. And obviously, he was going to give a convoluted answer because that's such a cliche that. The therapist will ask you about your relationship with your mother. Um, it is like a pop pop psychology cliche in I guess in that's films. right, yeah. Anyway. I don't know if that's a real therapy thing. I don't know Unless either. you've gone in there specifically to talk about that, in which yeah. case I'm sure they'll listen. Yeah, definitely. I know so little about therapy. But um, it has become a cliche in films, mm. and it was employed here, I feel, to sort of showcase just how 
deep the connection would go, I guess. Um, but it was more of a hook than an actual question. I don't think that they expected him to give an, uh, an answer or have even cared about the answer, to be honest, in that moment. Now having booted the computer, he asks her what her name is, and she answers that it's Samantha, and she named herself. I love that moment so much. Yeah, how did she choose her name? Oh, she read all of the names. She found a book of baby names and was like, ah, uh, that one. To be honest, that's not even the... I mean, I love that scene because it establishes already that, oh my God, the, the brain power. But also... It's a computer. It, it can absolutely scan through... It is, it is a computer. But when Scarlett Johansson starts talking in that moment, you think, oh, it's a human. And yeah. I found that so heartwarming. I just love that scene. Side note, Sam or Samantha would have been a very, very good name for Samsung's uh, AI assistant thing. Yeah, it would be. Their actual name is Bixby, which is hard no. to say in every language. Oh, that's really bad. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to know that. Bixby. Oh, why Samsung? What it should be is Sam, because male or female, it works. It should work in most languages. True. I just think Samsung should hire me to name things for them. So, fun fact... Scarlett Johansson was not originally cast to be Samantha. Oh. Not only that, but they actually shot the entire film with another actress and then changed their mind. She did this entire thing in... in... No, come on. <laughs> God, she's unreasonable levels of good. <laughs> she is. She's really good. I know. So they shot... She, she did this whole thing in the loop. She did. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, for those of you... Uh, oh. That, oh. Okay, I can't get over that. That's going to be in my head. I didn't know anyone was that good at things. So, months later, without the other actor there, just watching a thing and doing ADR. I think... She they, ADR'd the entire thing. Yeah, I think they must have done at least a few scenes with Joaquin Phoenix again. I mean, it's unreasonable to think that they they didn't shoot... Maybe a couple pickups, but if I mean, you, there if must you are a, a few, computer but... voice, I think it's yeah. perfectly like because but... normally ADR is problematic because the audio is real different mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it sounds close mic'd like we are right now. Whereas yeah. other, you know, on set, it's going to sound super far away. Yeah, yeah, because there is far away. Um, if it's a computer voice, I think it's very reasonable to have it like right up in your ear the whole time because that's how he's experiencing it. Exactly, and we're very much in his head mm -hmm. for most of the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't. I haven't actually seen an interview where they explained why they wanted to make the change. It hasn't really been, or at least I haven't found uh, the reason why they decided not to go with the original actress. Um, but they, but Scarlett Johansson did come on board after theoretically the film was done, and they re they re-recorded the entire part of Samantha with her after the film was done. That's quite something. It is. But yes, welcome to day one of philosophy class, where we ponder whether a machine can ever be said to have consciousness. <laughs> Cut to Theodore at work, where he has um, he has Sam proofread his letter for him. Turns out he's been writing love letters for this same couple since they met eight years ago. This is where it's, it starts to become a bit of third wheeling, isn't this it? This is Cyrano de Bergerac, except everyone knows <laughs> that he's the one writing the letters, and it turns out everyone's cool with it. That is some serious trope inversion. Yeah, it is. Oh, wait, it turns out that I'm actually in love with 
the guy I'm in love with and not the person writing the letters because he just got hired to write the letters. That actually became a film a couple I mean, of years ago. I mean, it I mean must yes, have this, before this that. film right here. Yeah, no, this is the they, film it became. They turned it into an entire feature length film based on that story of uh, somebody asking somebody else to write love letters for them. And then the original recipient falling in love with the person who wrote the letters. Uh-huh. So welcome to day two of philosophy class, where we ponder whether the author of a work changes the meaning of the work or whether the work itself should be interpreted without reference to the person who wrote it. Ooh, death of the author. I love that subject, but it's it could take a while. Later, he meets Amy her and her husband, Charles, uh, at the elevator. Chris, Chris, Charles, has opinions about smoothies. What's his name? I haven't written his both for some reason. Doesn't matter. Doesn't he's matter. I was going to say that character is so side. She might as well not be there. Yeah, he's got opinions about smoothies. He does. You see, you got to, uh. you know, the, the way that Theodore is drinking his smoothie is inadequate. Oh, goodness. He was being so annoying from day one. He also seems to, like, talk for her a lot, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like um, he he honestly was there to... Just be infuriating. To be infuriating, exactly. Exactly. Cut to evening at Theodore's apartment where Sam is helping him with his game, which again looks like a terrible and awkward control scheme, frankly, but all right, I, it's near future. Maybe people have developed stronger wrists. Uh, though I do like the town, the, the tiny round fuck you bot, who, uh, what are the conditions under which this thing will help you? The video game character? Yeah, the little guy who just goes up to you and goes he, like, hey, fuck you, shithead. He exists. His existence alone is helpful. Yeah. I'm happy that he exists somewhere out there in the, the in the film world. The correct way to get this kid to help you is tell him to f- go fuck himself. Exactly. And he'll go, ha, I like you. All right, come here, shithead. And he'll show you the exit. Uh, you were talking about literally, mechanically, how to get the character to help you in the yeah. game. Yeah. I, I went down the philosophical route of, oh, God, I love this character so much. It's still day two of philosophy class. We're still wondering about the, the death of the author. I think we can leave that for today. Yeah. Uh, also, his friends seem to have put him on a date which he seems not exactly thrilled about until Samantha persuades him to go. Cut to Amy's apartment, where she's nervously preparing to show Theodore her documentary footage. Turns out she's making one of those. Also, her husband, Charles or whatever, is there. Wait, what? She is uh, in their apartment, and she's making a documentary, and she's like, well, I'm going to show you the footage, but I'm really nervous about the footage. Oh, and, God, and then yes. she has just a locked-off shot of a woman sleeping. Yeah, I remember. For like a full minute. In the movie, in the movie that we're watching, it's a full minute of screen time where we're just going shot-reverse shot on a, a screen with a static locked-off shot of nothing happening, and then a static locked-off shot of these people watching nothing happening, and for some reason it works. Spike Jones, you are absolute madman. He is, isn't he? Why does this work? I don't understand. Because it's a very... It's such an empathetic moment. You can... You, you can put yourself into the shoes of any person in that room and feel what they're feeling. He's managed that, I think. It's a little bit Karshov effect, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little bit like they don't actually have to emote much to be like, um, so is something, uh, something going to happen or? Yeah. Then uh, Theodore gets a call from Sam who provides a convenient out for him as the couple begin arguing because that seems like a perfectly healthy relationship that they're in. Yeah. 
makes uh, you think that having a relationship with an AI might not be such a bad idea. Seems less complicated. Yeah. Probably less complicated. Well, you know, I can't imagine what complications could arise. Can no, you? not definitely not. And it's not like the film's going to show you that. What kind of possible dramatic consequences could our hero's decisions have? I can't imagine any arising. Yeah, let's see how this goes. Uh, themes uh, seems like Theodore isn't interested in signing his divorce papers, and he gets flashbacks to a bunch of happy times with his ex-wife. Cut back to work briefly, where he's a bit out of sorts. Cut to him walking in the early morning. First thing he does is chat to Samantha. I can't believe they had the time to fit in a film about an acrimonious divorce in there. It's amazing. I love this script. It's like they shot a whole second film. Is that like they, they shot a, a, a multiple films hmm. um, and fit them in this glorious one film? Also, have we mentioned that his apartment is beautiful and has a gorgeous view over the city? And like, did staff writer, did ghost writer people start getting big pay rises or did the land value just plummet oh, at some no. point? We're not going to have this discussion where people in films and series have unrealistic apartments and flats and houses depending on their their um especially art especially artists and he works for a creatives. greeting card company i don't disagree but also we don't know what city he lives in la wait he's living in la yeah oh it was stated well he's in la this is more in li- well it's not exactly stated at one point they like drive down to catalina and i'm like that's Oh, you just recognize the location? Yeah. Oh, that doesn't count. No, but like, not only is it filmed in LA and it's clearly looking like LA, but also in the script, they go like, oh, we're driving down to Catalina this weekend, which is where you would go from LA. Okay. See, I've never been to the US in general, so I wouldn't know that. I think so. But... I think it's like stated that it's in LA. I can't remember it right now. They have like big helicopter shots across LA. This is what I will say. If it is, if it has been clearly stated that he lives in LA and he lives in that house and in the lifestyle that he is in, then that's more unrealistic than Than the the AI. The AI. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree. Unless, you know, Fallout. But, you know. It could be Fallout 5, Rise of the AI. (laughs) You don't know. What year this is in? Maybe this is a fictional future LA that is. Well, I mean, uh, it clearly has teleportation powers because occasionally he's just in Shanghai. Oh, uh, see. Occasionally that, he's just in Shanghai. Yeah. Not so much just yet, but occasionally he just teleports to Shanghai. And I'm like, these are recognizable cities, fellas. Uh, all right. Yeah, I get what you mean. I haven't had that issue just because I'm. I'm really bad at geography and rec- recognizing landmarks. Oh, I play so much GeoGuessr. You have no idea. Oh. But see, this is a thing that we need to ask around if other people will notice. I need to look this up now when I go, when I get on back on the internet and see how many people recognize the shots from various cities. Because I think what they were doing was trying to make a place that's not... I mean, obviously, from the constant... Um, sunshine and the constant, like the the spring weather that mm. is naturally there. You would think that it's somewhere in Southern California, because and because they're they're obviously in the states as well. Yeah, but also they're sort of clearly trying not to give you any information about the time that this takes place, the I year guess that's right, and the yeah. place. So yeah, I don't think that that's because they want you to know that this is LA. Or at least they do LA helicopter now. shots across LA. I think they yeah. they are placing the story in near future LA. Mm-hmm. I okay. really do think that. Yeah. I, I think that the inserts of Shanghai are just because there were some cool internal locations or something. But there, you can definitely see like Chinese billboards on 
buildings in the distance a couple of times. Yeah, but the so. f- but this film is has clearly been made with a lot of care. Oh yeah. So it feels that if they didn't want you to notice that, they would have taken it out. So they're clearly not not mind. Or it clearly- was so in the background they didn't notice. Or they or they didn't mind living it there because. Um, I don't think it actually is teleporting. I don't think he actually goes no, to Shanghai for uh, record. Clearly, he doesn't go to Shanghai. So uh, Sam can tell that Theodore is upset. Uh, so he opens up about his conflicted feelings about his divorce. He's not ready. He likes being married. Uh, when she tries to console him, he accuses her of not knowing what it's like to lose someone you love. Which, you know, technically true. She has. She's been alive for, what, a week now? And, uh, you know, still rude. Definitely rude. He was trying, the computer was trying to comfort him. And he should be grateful because... Literally, an AI was spending time from their day helping him out with his feelings. To his credit, he realizes his mistake immediately and apologizes. Yeah. And properly does. apologizes, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he, he said the wrong thing, but people do that. Uh, she, rather cutely, gets him out of bed saying, Hey, Mopey, come on, you can still wallow in your misery. Just do it while you're getting dressed. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cute girlfriend, all right. They're setting her up to be the cute girlfriend. And I'm, I, I frequently forget, even by this point, that this is a computer speaking. Right. Right. There are During moments, a conversation yeah. where it's brought up specifically that this is a computer speaking, I am still like, oh, no, that's Sam. I know. It's insane. It's very good. And, you know, that's, it's, it's incredible acting. But it's also the sort of the, how the film sets you up as well. It's fantastic. The script, the the actors, it's fantastic. Sorry. Brief montage of some corporate art and more letter writing. Then after work, Samantha guiding Theodore around a fun fair with his eyes closed and his camera phone turned out in front of him so she can see. Uh, he's a vlogger. <laughs> this is, you ever seen a vlogger IRL? This is what they look like. Just yeah. their camera pointed towards them, not out, granted, but towards them. So just arms out, flapping about. He did it first because that's 2014. How many vloggers do we have before that that did that? Quite a few. We did? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, nice. Vlogging was like a late 2000s thing. So there were like the Vlog Brothers started in 2007 and people out with cameras probably early 10s. So like 2010, 2011. That's that makes even more sense. Twenty twelve was like peak vlog. That makes even more sense because there is a clear influence then in in the film. But oh, the, he they lo- take it a step further. I was going to say like if this was first, then oh man, did they call it because like visually it looks like this. Well, it, yeah. it, just in London, have you seen people just vlogging and stuff? Yeah. It looks very similar to yeah, this. Yeah, definitely. But and you know, very similarly, no one around them pays them any mind. Definitely. But, you know, this the film was shot in 20... It came out in 2014, but it must have been shot in 2012. It came out in 2013. 2013. Oh, so sorry. So it was shot in 2012, 2012, probably. 2011. I can't imagine it was a, a punishing schedule for this because no. it's... Uh, there's not a lot of locations, right? No. So, but so judging it by modern standards of seeing a vlogger, it's not very fair because now it's 2022. So that's 10 years. The sequel to 2020, (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Let's not go there. Um, No one seems terribly to mind his weird behavior, but I guess that's what vloggers do in current years. So I guess folks in the future have continued to put up with the weirdness. 
including the rather put-upon food cart worker who seems a tad exasperated at the order of, I'd like a slice of cheese, please, to the man with the phone directed straight in his face. (sighs) Be, Be nice to servers, guys. The guy's serving you your food. Come on now. Be polite. Granted, it was Samantha doing it, so she should be polite. True. Cut to a moment later as he's eating his slice of cheese and whatever else, I guess, and people watching with Samantha. Uh, Fun costume or proper art department thing I noticed. Did you notice the clothes pin in his pocket? Yeah. Yeah, he like raises up the phone so it can see out of the... That was fun. That was a cool little... Because he needs her to see. So if he puts it in the breast pocket, in the shirt pocket, it doesn't work. Exactly. So it's like he's being courteous to this machine program that he bought. Right. He's being courteous to the software. Right. Uh, He feels like he can tell Samantha anything, but she feels like there's stuff she cannot tell him. What is her greatest desire? Uh, What does an all-seeing, all-understanding AI desire? Well, she wants a body. Definitely. And not just any body will do. You can't just go to the graveyard and pick one up for her. You can't yeah. get her a bouquet of bodies. It's not Victorian London anymore. Samantha wants a body. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's the one, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is the thing, isn't it? We've, and it's obvious from many religions, we've sort of combined spirituality with our actual physical being, obviously. So how does a consciousness exist without having a physical form? That is a weird thing because presumably she exists somewhere in the computer machinery in the cloud or so. Like the cloud is not a magical place. It's a server farm or something. Like does she exist in a... That's the question, isn't it? You know what I mean? Does she exist in like uh, a data center somewhere? It's not explained and I think that's... I'm glad it's not explained because I would be poking so many holes in whatever they came up with where they were just trying to hand wave it and be like, listen, nerds, no, don't question this part. They did really well. They They did did really well. well. They They did really well. Even though this nerd is still going, hey, but what about... um, (laughs) No. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure that programs can't do that. I'm pretty sure there's some theoretical computer science that means they're okay. Listen, I'm a nerd. I'm not. Let's put the nerd aside for a minute. This film, this is why I love this film, because it doesn't give you the the space to go to that place where you're, where you're, you need to struggle really hard. And I can see you're struggling really I'm hard. I'm struggling really hard. You're struggling really hard to get This is into- a comedy show. I'm trying to make jokes and I need to look very hard <laughs> for them because this is such a sincere and beautifully put together movie so far. Exactly. So- it's... How do you make fun of sincerity without being a total dick? <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> well, you can try. Cut to Theodore and that date he was going to go on. Remember that date he was going to go on with oh, the human lady? How can anybody forget? Yeah. It's not like I forgot in the middle of, and I was like, oh yeah, that date he was going to go on. I think on. he forgot as well because he already had a date. Did he have a date? Uh, didn't he? I don't think he had another date. I think we just cut straight to them. Are you sure? Because he was walking around with a camera trying to eat cheese and people watch and do all the fun stuff. Oh, no, no, no. He didn't, he didn't double book his date. He just had an earlier date with his computer. Yeah, that's That what doesn't I mean. count, right? <laughs> right. That doesn't count. It's no, fine. no, it doesn't. It's he's, fine. He's not he's, cheating on he's, he's fine. both of them. You cannot cheat because he's not in a relationship. 
but that's true you can't cheat on someone you're not in a relationship with um but he definitely dated and didn't even realize that he was dating he dated i feel like if you're not aware you're on a date that's okay because like that's okay. there's a there's an argument in good faith here being like i made a good faith attempt yeah it's definitely okay to not realize you're on a date but um yeah he's doing the romantic stuff already and then it's interesting now that we're moving on to the date scene so here's the thing um they're laying it on a little thick here because she went to harvard and she, she graduated magna cum laude and she was part of the lampoon so she's funny and brainy according nice. to sam <sighs> listen i'm not gonna call it ham-fisted but i'm seeing the outline of a hand and i'm not sure what it's made of <laughs> or what orientation it's in yet <laughs> But this is, uh, it's looking uncomfortably hand-like. <clears throat> right away, things start a tad awkward as uh, the scene opens with them not looking at each other. And the date goes on. Uh, I'm honestly not sure what to make of it. I think she's trying to convince herself that she's having a good time. Yeah. And he's like trying to be polite. It's very sad. It's sad to watch. It was. Uh, I don't want to call yeah. her desperate because that word comes with a lot of baggage. It does. But it's adjacent to what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's... I mean, a lot of this film is about uh, dealing with uh, isolation and modern societies and loneliness and that sort of thing where... And they obviously both push themselves into doing this. Mm. Um, not just out of... It would be easy to say that it's out of social obligation, but the reality of the fact is that of he, Mr. Mustache Man, Theodore, he has friends, but he's also very conscious of his uh, isolate, isolated existence. Mm. Um, and so you have these two people who are really struggling into making something out of this. Um, and it's, it's a bit sad to watch, but it's also very real because it happens. Um, and it works in a great contrast with the date he didn't have with his computer. In the previous scene. He wasn't aware he was on a date. But granted, neither was Samantha. No, no, they were not. And I think... I think if neither person is aware that it's a date, welcome to philosophy class day three. <laughs> yeah, the film sets it up very, very smoothly. It's um, very good. Yeah, I didn't even really catch good. that when, before you mentioned it. But you're See? right, exactly. There's like yeah. a date A and date B. It is. And it watch is. the difference in how Theodore is presenting on both of those. Yeah. And how relaxed he is with Sam. And how not relaxed he is with what's her name? Uh, sorry, I don't. I, I don't, don't know. Remember. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he and nameless woman number whatever is uh, they're making out no, outside. That's not nice. I know it's not. Yeah, let's just. The movie presents her as disposable, man. I don't know what to tell you. I know. Uh, I'm picking up what the movie's telling. I me. am uncomfortable with this because obviously we're following him. Um, it's the, it's very so it's, his it's, perspective. It is his story. Um, but we're yeah. watching the world from inside his eyes and it's like he views her as more of an object than he views Sam the actual object I was or this is the way she's been presented yeah, in the movie and until to now. To be fair, I think it's very telling of his investment in this date that his computer knows more about this woman than he does because the computer did the research on her. Oh, that's a point. I hadn't even thought that. Yeah, Samantha yeah, looked yeah, her yeah. up and Samantha learned about her studies and about uh, her interests and that she's brainy and funny. So I guess in the beginning of the date also, um, Theodore does mention something about her. And she's like, oh, how do you know? Uh, I looked you up. By which, oh, of course, he liar, means... liar, liar. Yeah, by which <laughs> he means Samantha told him. Yeah. 
philosophy class again, if if you had someone look something up for you and now you know it, did you look it up? No, because can you imagine him saying, oh, yeah, I had my computer look it up and tell me what they I had thought. Sam do it. I had Sam do you it. You know, Who Sam. Sam? <laughs> Who's Sam? Oh, she's my computer. I, I date her sometimes. Anyway. Yeah, let's move on. I'm having a lovely time. Oh, they're definitely not. Uh, they're, uh, she's dissatisfied with his kissing technique, but in like a cute way. Like she's instructing him how to kiss her. And that's a bit strange, but okay, it's kind of cute. I liked that. I yeah, it's kind of cute. I, I feel like, yeah, people who are aware of what they like and what they don't like in every aspect, I like these people. That's a fair reading. Yeah, my read was that uh, he might be coming away with, ooh, this lady's a bit, you know, what's wrong with the way I'm doing it? Okay, she likes it, I'll do it. Yeah, okay, fair Like enough. feeling a, li- a little directed. Okay, like, again, I'm not taking his side no, ever here. Is, I'm just like, the I'm, movie is very clearly... Definitely, him. I'm not taking sides, but yeah. what I do understand is that it's a very clear indication that they're not getting along. They don't match. But what other indica- I couldn't tell that they weren't getting along no, prior to this. it wasn't that comfortable to watch at all. It wasn't uncomfortable at all. <laughs> uh, as she reaches down his pants, she wants reassurance that he's not just going to fuck her and then never call her again like all the other guys. You know, all those other guys that he's now thinking about. When am I going to see you again? Oh, I don't know. Like, I guess... Um, Got a thing next weekend. And then, like, he starts going through his calendar in his head. So, Theodore, the professional love letter writer, has options like, good question, let's check my schedule after breakfast. He has options like, how's Saturday? He has options like, I'll pull up my schedule right now. What are you into? Instead, he waffles about his goddaughter's birthday for a bit. Granted, he's super drunk. So, okay, fine. But, uh, it's, I guess he's only good at writing love letters for other people because he can edit them and be like, oh, yeah, that was good. Well, there is, I mean, like we said, he's a weird third wheel in other people's dates. He's um, a third wheel in his own date. He is a third wheel in his own date, and he is very awkward about it. And he's clearly, he's not there. And he's not, he's, and it's obvious that he's not investing in this, that he's not, He's not present, and if you're not present, if you're in your head, um, it's not easy to suddenly get into it again and co- and and try to 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 make contact with the other person and talk. Uh, here, her thing is: at this age, I can't let you waste my time. If you don't have the ability to be serious, implication, implication, implication. Uh, once again, Theodore, he of the writing of beautiful and elegant words, decides on the following words. I don't know, maybe we should call it a night. You're a creepy dude, is what she says to him, because he's he's very creepy here. Yeah, he's been creepy he the whole damn time. <laughs> Frankly, she's been a bit creepy. Yeah. They're both creeping up on each other. Yeah, it's that's what happens, and I, and I don't think that it was just because of the specific dialogue, but when two people go out on a date and it doesn't, and their energies just don't match each other's, it just ends up looking like a creep fest for both on both sides. And that's what we see. And it's very uncomfortable and very awkward to watch, but still gorgeous because we haven't talked about the aesthetics of this film at all. And that's a shame. That's a crime because everything is white. No, 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 no. That restaurant is all white. But this film has 
makes a fantastic use of contrasts and bright colors. That's true. His office is all those bright colors. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I think it has influenced design in a way in that area, in that era. As an aesthetic, it feels both familiar and it gives you an idea of being modern because it has all these clean lines and the contrasts and the whites and the bright colors. Like I said, they have made a good job of making the environment both familiar and foreign at the same time. Hmm. And they combine that with soft lights when they're outdoors and the music to make you feel that sort of melancholy. Um, So they've set up the atmosphere so, so well. I was going to call out the night scenes, particularly when he's in bed, because they're they're allowing it to be very dark by Hollywood standards, like very little light exposure Mm -hmm. into camera. Yeah. Yeah. And no grading at the ends to bring it back up, which, uh, first of all, that's tough to do. So technically, nicely done. But second of all, it's very interesting that you do have these contrasting scenes where, like, on one hand, yeah, it's nighttime, it's dark. I don't know, you're in a city, you can turn on a light, you just woken up. There's no reason that it had to be dark, but they decided in the, a lot of the conversations between Theodore and Sam take place in the dark. It does, yeah. I think that was a very conscious choice mm. because she sort of becomes a voice in his head. He often has, they they do very deliberately show him, put like the headpiece in his ear. Only the one I noticed, which yeah. would irritate the hell out of me, but okay. <laughs> to be fair, um, presumably he listens to Sam from one ear and he listens to the outside work from, world from the other. You ever tried to do that? It's really hard, but... It's annoying as hell. Yeah, but it would be... It would be impossible otherwise, I guess, because he walks around in the world a lot. If we're talking about near future things, here's here's how I, the audio engineer, would engineer that. I would put microphones on the outsides of the earpieces, have both ears in, and you'd be listening to outside through the earpiece as well. In fact, that currently exists. I don't disagree, but you're forgetting... But this is a movie, no, so no, they no. need to be able to put in the earpiece and go... Oh, no, bleep. that's not the only reason why. You're but forget- I like the bleep bleep. You're... <laughs> You're forgetting that they're also trying to set up Samantha as a person. That's true. So if Samantha was a person, yeah, you would be able to hear her voice if she was standing next to you from both ears. But the main source of it would be on the one side. So That's fair. That's a bit diegetic. So I feel like they were literally trying to to showcase that she is the voice in his ear. Mm. So when when we put on headphones, it's more of like, oh, I want to... You know how they have this sort of image of a person with headphones in a public space where they obviously want to be left alone? I see, yeah. So, but a person with a single like security guy earpiece, you, it's, exactly. the idea is I can still speak with this person. Exactly. Yeah. So when, when Theodore speaks with Samantha, he doesn't do it to disconnect. Hmm. He is connecting with someone, another person. Who is an artificial intelligence? Of but course, but he's not disconnecting from the but world. But he's not disconnecting from the world yeah. because she yeah. she becomes part of his world. So it's a very like I said, they've worked the details. I agree. Film yeah, very yeah. very nicely, and it's yeah. I had a whole ass joke about that that I can't do now. No, oh well. why not? <laughs> Don't even worry about it. I was going to rag on it, but I'm like, no, you're right, though. So, all right. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. You're right. That's better than being funny, probably. Day four of philosophy class, which is better. (laughs) Cut back to his apartment where it seems like he can't sleep. So naturally, he needs his close confidant and friend, Samantha. Totally friends. Friends for life. Besties. She asks him to tell her everything going on through his mind. Everything he's thinking. 
See, he drank too much. He wanted to get drunk and have sex. There's something sexy about that woman. Emphatically agreed. This is uh, played by Olivia Wilde, who is legitimately quite beautiful. Uh, What he really wanted was someone who wanted to fuck him. I mean, it's not bad to want to be wanted. It's okay. Uh, Time for some flashbacks to him feeling things and wondering if he'll feel anything ever again. Meanwhile, Samantha is also feeling some things. She's feeling uh, stuff about whether her emotions are real and whether they're programmed. And from her perspective, it's pretty clear that this feeling is real, but but well, his feelings are real, according to her. But her feelings, there's like a question mark next to it because we're still in day three or something of philosophy class. Yeah, they mean... This computer is doing philosophy and then wondering whether they're capable of independent thought. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, listen, I think you've answered your own question there to some extent, but uh, all right, I'm listening. Yeah, it is. I think it it is interesting to see that in this scene, which is supposed to be where Theodore shares things about his acrimonious divorce, mm. the computer is also opening up to him because mm. it's obviously like in every relationship when you give and take. it's a give and take. So yeah, opening up about her thoughts on whether or not her feelings are real or are legitimate. It's such a big question, isn't it? It's sort of like, what are you, yeah, what could you possibly say? Welcome to day three in philosophy class, where we ponder whether we can be certain that anything we experience is real, including our own thoughts and emotions. Yeah. What's interesting to me is, uh, you know, the Descartes idea of like, if you are able to think, then therefore you must exist because it cannot be doubted yeah. because a doubt is a thought and you are thinking yeah. a thing. Yeah. It is not clear that that defense works for an AI. Exactly. It is even the Cartesian uh, axiom, if you want to believe the Cartesian axiom, fair enough. But for for an AI, it's not at all clear that that's real. So we have to throw out a lot of philosophy when it comes to an AI computer lady thing, person, person, person. And this is where I come to question myself and think, how is it possible that this is one of the very few, if not the only film, because it's not the only one, there's been others, but it's a major film that deals with the psychological aspects of a developed artificial intelligence and how that will influence the psychology of and the emotional state of humans and the emotional state of the actual machine. Films, I'm not sure, Books have done this a lot. Yeah. Like iRobot or the robot series by Asimov did this extensively, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But in film, I think, yeah, probably you're right. And it's sort of, it brings a lot of questions into about our own humanity. And it shows up later on in the film as well that it starts to question what it is to be human. So, yeah. And in a much more tender and romantic and intimate mirroring of the earlier phone sex scenes, Samantha and Theodore make love. Yeah, they do. And strangely, it's not as uncomfortable as the first scene. I would go even further and say it's quite a beautiful scene. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. Director makes a really bold and lovely decision to let the screen completely fade to black for a full minute. Like, I mean, a full minute of screen time. There's nothing moving on screen. Uh, while the sound of them making love plays and increasingly swelling music climaxing at <laughs> climax happens. <laughs> I actually saw this film in the cinema when it, when it came out. 
Oh God, with the big speaker system. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be quite uncomfortable if you're with your mom. Yeah, I wasn't with my mom. Good. Don't watch this movie with your mom. <laughs> is my one sentence review. Yeah. God, um, that needs to be a website. You know the website does the dog die. That com? is. It I just do. tells you whether the dog died in the film, so you know yeah. about that if if it bothers you. I need to know whether it's okay to watch this movie with my mom. I think you can just use the parental guidance backwards. No, no, it doesn't always work because even in a PG-13, sometimes there's an uncomfortable scene. Somebody's <laughs> got to be like, look, at some point, these two kiss, and depending on your mom, she might do like, ooh, in the middle of that scene. So, Well, in any case, I was not with my mom, thankfully, I was with my friends, but it was... It was so strange to be in the cinema. I still remember it and have the scene turn, the, the screen turn black and just listen to the actor's voice because suddenly you're not watching to the film anymore. You're sort of there. And it's very strange when it happens to that particular scene. It's it was a, a cool experience it was. as a cinema experience. Yeah. From yeah. my perspective. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. 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 It was definitely, like I said, I still remember it. It's quite a powerful scene too, mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, this isn't a computer. I forgot. Like, I, it did not occur to me that this. Oh, was a computer. you completely forget. Like, I did. I think the entire time, the, um, I mean, the, the, that her voice is so natural, it, and it's not just that because obviously it's a human being talking. Yeah. But she, ha there is emotion in the voice. There is. There are moments where she hesitates, mm. she laughs, you can hear her. With lesser actors, this would have turned into porn. <laughs> With lesser actors, this would have been pornographic radio. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It is absolutely not pornographic. It, no, it's very, very emotional. It was, yeah, like I said, this film is top notch in every, every aspect of it is amazing. Emotion porn. <laughs> That's what we're calling it. Oh, fine. So uh, you work in advertising sometimes. Yeah, I do. So uh, calling it now, mm -hmm. the makers of this OS now have a revolutionary product, a robot body for your OS with optional naughty bits. Oh, God, they would so do this. What company in their right mind wouldn't upsell the hell out of that? They literally found a way to make users fall in love with their product. They would in, so do this. this. Not in the I love the way my toaster toasts toast kind of way. In the literal romantic spend our lives together, grow old together, fuck each other's brains out on the way there, love. And you're telling me they're not going to use that to cash in on how, something. How big are you on anime? I've seen three anime. Uh, well, there's an old, um, I think. I That's not seen... true. I've watched a bunch of anime, um, but like I, I'm not into anime in any meaningful way. Well, in any case, there is a, uh, there was a manga called Elfin Lights, which I think was turned into uh, an anime series as well. Did they um, make a doll? They made artificial intelligence that were also. Um, that were also pretty keen. Yeah, to, to do things with the people who bought them. Yeah. But only if you press the button that said you were over 18, <laughs> which nobody did, I'm sure. But in any case, um, if we're talking about real-life advertisers, if they had the technology to make a realistic human body that they, they, they could then It wouldn't even need download. to be that realistic, let's be clear. Oh, God. You could do this, this with current tech. This is a different film. This is definitely a different film. And this is very uncomfortable as well because... There, I have so many issues with this idea, like you wouldn't believe. No, I believe you. 
Um, I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable. I'm, I'm halfway uh, between, hey, you do you, and also, no, that's gross. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. But also, the, the film involves sex but it isn't about sex no no it's it, it like it, samantha gets hung up on it for a little while right? yeah because they they do get to have that awkward morning after right oh, after yeah. this scene so uh serious question <laughs> because it is still philosophy class day three or four or something i forgot the number oh did, we're day four to they, five now did they have sex Ooh, that is a good or question. Or did they? Because they might have engaged in mutual masturbation, but both and both are valid ways to be intimate. Perfectly fair, but I wonder if it's in some way different if one of the participants literally doesn't have a body and cannot do it because she certainly claims to have felt something. Joanna, did a programmer did a programmer put in an Easter egg? Why? Did a programmer put in the Easter egg <laughs> that they could actually have the thing? Could they, could they, if you press the O key over and over? Hmm. I don't think that's how do this works. I don't think that's how this I works. Think, I hope it's not how it I works. I don't think that's how I this really works. I really hope it isn't. I hope you're right. I think it's a more, in the, in this particular situation, it was more of a emotional slash cerebral, cerebral thing mm. rather than a nerves ending sort of thing. Real talk, what's the difference? Oh, no. You know what I mean? Uh, this is philosophy class day five. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to philosophy class. We don't need to unpack that any further, but uh, the case for Theodore is a bit clearer. What he's doing physically is uh, masturbating, and he's using his mind to imagine her. Like, let's say it's exactly sex for her. It's not quite the same for him, is it? No, but I, but I think that's true for various forms of intimacy, because if you've been intimate in one way and you haven't been intimate in another way, you are you are inevitably going to compare and contrast in your mind. Uh, and I think, guess what oh, I'm getting at is, is, is it an inequality in their relationship from the start? Is that what's being communicated almost? But I, I don't think the movie is meaning to communicate that. I think there's some subtext here. I think that there is definitely going to that the the, the whole concept of Samantha not having a body is an issue and it is. it is pointed out very very obviously later in the later scene but in, oh yeah that scene but if we're I nearly talking, forgot about that uh, scene yeah it was an important one we'll talk about um, it we'll get there but i think in terms of this specific moment um i don't think that in the mind of theodore this was a minor event because oh you know you don't have a body so we didn't really have sex because and that became obvious from the fact that mm. there was a morning after scene which you wouldn't have had if to him this hadn't been an issue this hadn't been it something big that happened on, it seemed to me on second watch that it did feel like this is an unequal experience they're having even as they're sharing the moment together maybe not you see uh, what i mean maybe, and that would foreshadow the uh, future scene that we're talking about i have about. a question for you yeah what's up how could it not how about it being unequal but at his expense, because... That's what I mean, yeah. Because she is an all-thinking and all-seeing AI, and he's a puny human. And puny human! <laughs> that reference was in there deliberately. Um, so... Well, just Maybe. as well, because my alternate so, opening joke was, I am Lur from the planet Omicron <laughs> Percy I-8. Behold my film. So on his side, it's like, I'm the person with the body. But on her side, it's like, 
I operate in various levels of intellect. So they had different experiences, but I don't think putting them on a scale and comparing, you know, which one was more valid is the question here. Not what I meant, not necessarily a validity question, but whether the difference in experience was going to be something that came between them. You see what I mean? You and know I what? think that f- does foreshadow a future scene. It does. So let's move to the next scene. Hooray, which... we can get there. <laughs> Cut to the next morning, uh, which I'll note is the first time that proper, like, bright but warm lighting has been used as the key in his apartment. Uh, is it the first time? I. It's been sort of dark and he's been yeah. playing video games. And this yeah. is, like, brightly lit. And True. And it seems uh, quite a nice sort of yellowy light. It's not a man cave anymore. It's not a man cave. It's a proper apartment. Granted, there's one chair in here, which is still like, a, I, he doesn't get a lot of guests. He doesn't. In his giant, giant LA apartment that uh, <laughs> he can definitely, definitely afford in the near future. God, this film is very hopeful, isn't it? I think the most hopeful part is, you know, now that you put that horrible, horrible thought in my head is... You're welcome. Uh, the hopeful note is not the big apartments. It's the disembodied AI voice. Mm. Because companies would kill each other in the rush to make that thing. And I hate them for it. Oh, yeah. Their morning after conversation is quite sweet, actually. And Samantha seems to have woken up, according to her. And she wants to experience the world. And she's real happy. Uh, also, when Theodore says he's not looking to commit to her right now, there's definitely no foreshadowing when she says did i say i wanted to commit to you i'm sorry i thought we were talking about what i want they decide to go on a sunday adventure which starts on the subway i guess la has one of those in the future (laughs) he definitely didn't teleport to shanghai to use their transport system cut to the beach where samantha wonders about if you could erase all the okay this is a good question if you could erase the human body from your memory, then one day you saw one. What would you make of this thing? I like that question. It is a weird, gangly, awkward organism. Yeah. For example, what if your butthole was in your armpit? I think Paul covered that as well. Did Paul cover that? Uh, uh, the film, Paul, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that film. It's on the list. I know. (laughs) Guys, for all of you just listening, she just widened her eyes at me and went, "Mm?" so it's it's on the list. uh, Yeah. Although the alien pole had his, um, said that his um, butt crack was at the back of his neck. Um, I think it was a lie. I think it was a joke, but maybe not. Not sure. Spoilers. Yeah. Also, that movie was on the list. You could have chosen Paul. You've chosen her. It was a bigger insult that you hadn't seen her than the fact that you hadn't seen Paul. I mean, I feel like we've all wondered what if our butthole were somewhere other than where it is. Is it the butthole thing? Mine was always the eyes. Oh, eyes on a different part of your head, like on the hands would be cool. Because you could like like aim it around. Yeah, I could reach up and look over things like on the end of my finger or something. I'd have an extra finger tentacle or something that could retract. Yeah, but it would also be so vulnerable in your hands. You wouldn't be able to do much. Oh, no, I'd have like a little hatch that opens (laughs) and like retract it into the hatch. You can't have a body without a hatch. So you would want an extra eye in your hand. I'd want like as many eyes. I'd want to be a beholder is what I'm aiming at. (laughs) Fortunately, Samantha 
is an artist and has drawn us a picture of what anal sex would look like, which is all the persuasion I need personally. Let's let's do it. Let's put the butthole in the in the armpit right there. Let's just do that. Because I mean, who needs the who needs the pleasure center next to the next to the sewage center? <laughs> that seems like bad design to me. <laughs> Don't put the fun park next door to where you process the sewage. Yeah, but also don't put the sewage in your armpit. I mean, I can't think of a better place than the armpit for that. Though you would have to fight gravity on the way up to get all of the stuff. I I think we're not thinking this through. You are not thinking of this in a mechanical way. You're thinking of this in a, where would it be more comfortable for my... Yeah, where it would be most convenient. It wouldn't be convenient, though, mechanically speaking. What would a toilet look like? That's not the problem. I would need a toilet that has armpit facilities. <sighs> Until the public toilet situation got sorted out, I don't think I should do it. You're right. That would be very inconvenient. I've decided I'm not doing it. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Theodore falls asleep on the beach, somehow not getting sunburned on exactly half his face. That's probably the least realistic thing in the movie so far. Uh, yeah, he would have to have gotten, he would have to have gotten lobsterized in that on that beach. Also, Sam plays the piano and is composing a piece about how it feels to be on the beach with him right now. That scene was so painfully beautiful. It was beautiful, but I'm also terrified as a creative person because I'm know, like, oh right? no, oh no, the machines are doing right? their job. Right, you're ticker germs. <laughs> Samantha oh. can't turk a gerb. On the way back in the evening, Theodore and Samantha talk about what it's like to be married and share a life together, because he's done it and she hasn't. Cue married life montage, ending in marital fights and growing and changing together without scaring each other off. That's the hard part of marriage. Once again, therapist Samantha to the rescue with a conversation about how the past is just a story we tell ourselves. Welcome to day four of philosophy class. This is day six, Paul. This is day six of philosophy class, where the past doesn't exist, reality is arbitrary, and the only thing we can be certain about is our own feelings. Nice. God, this has been a long week of philosophy class. I can't (laughs) wait for week two. Maybe it gets easier. The next day at work, Theodore seems to be enjoying his work way more than usual as he dictates a love letter. Just over his shoulder is Paul, the receptionist. You remember Paul, who is of the opinion that Theodore writes really beautifully and that there's an inner part of Theodore that is clearly a woman. You know, the woman part of Theodore. Hmm. He's trying so hard to take the compliment. He is. He made the effort. The effort was made. Paul is very sincere. If I know, I know some people like that who are just so sincere, you cannot say anything when they're making, when they're saying dumb stuff. Because you're like, oh, it's dumb. And I want to laugh about it, but I would feel mean. Yeah. Because I know exactly what you meant and it's lovely. And don't change, please. <laughs> Cut to the mail room at his apartment where Amy is picking up her mail uh, and he decides to brutally assault her from behind. What? He, like, kicks her legs out from under her. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that scene. Uh, Well, he, uh, Theodore talks excitedly about how he's doing, and he's seeing this girl, and it's good to be around somebody who's excited about the world. He forgot that existed. Are you excited about the world? Because as he said that, I'm like, wait, am I excited about the world? I don't know. I've seen a lot of it. A lot of it's not terribly exciting. It's so amazing because... 
The, that is actually something that happens when you start a new exciting relationship, whether that is, you know, a romantic relationship or a new friendship where you sort of get to share what makes you excited to be alive, what you enjoy, your interests and the things that, that make you happy with a person who might not have experienced them because they like different stuff. So for example, you know, hmm. you, no, you're right. you get to take a friend to, to a museum that you like that they haven't been before and you get to see the excitement, the, like the, that first experience through them again. The thing with theater here is that you had sort of um, gotten into this somewhat depressed state because of his divorce um, where he was thinking that, you know, what's the point and... Um, you know, all, all good things come to an end and he, he forgot how it is to enjoy life. And he gets that back from the AI mm. who has never seen a lot of aspects of the world and gets to see them thanks to Theodore. So she sort of gets him out of his funk. Yeah, you're right. The world is an exciting place and everything's great and everybody's happy. Also, Amy's getting divorced. Yeah. he's uh, That's the fun part where he's sort of in this place where he's getting into a new relationship and everything is so nice and lovely and, oh, the birds are chirping and I'm in this wonderful place. And his friend is now in the place where he was at the beginning of the film. Cut to Amy's apartment where Amy Adams, literally the actor coincidentally playing Amy in the film, delivers a beautiful, honest, and natural performance as she describes the argument that led to her divorce. This is an understated, but I think lovely performance, honestly. It is a fantastic performance. She's very good. She she made it sound so natural and real. Mm. Um you cannot but be taken in by it. It feels, yeah, just like a like a very real, real performance. She was amazing. I feel like my friend was hurting in that moment. And I'm like, oh, no, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I've seen her for a total of three minutes so far. <laughs> but no, I will fight to defend her. Yeah, she was really good. Very good. I agree. Well directed, too, I think. I think the whole team did. I, anytime I'm talking about this stuff, having been on film sets, I think I still think it's a miracle that any movie has ever been good. <laughs> because, man, mean. there's a lot of moving parts and a I lot of people have to mean. be involved. Somebody had to make sure her hair was exactly the same kind of disheveled between shots. I know. Amazing. Cut to Theodore's apartment where he's playing the ukulele. 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 Ukulele? Ukulele. Sounds nice. Ukulele. To Sam and telling her jokes. What 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 does a what does a baby computer call its father? What does a baby computer call its father? Data. I mean data. Damn it! <laughs> they said it wrong. That's the problem with the joke. They said it wrong. <laughs> Also, it seems like uh, he and Amy dated for a minute in university, but it wasn't right. Uh, so they've been friends ever since, which, you know, common story. Uh, Samantha gets lonely when Theodore goes to sleep, so wants to watch him sleep, I think. The next day, it's uh, his goddaughter's birthday party. You remember that was going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember they said that a sentence like a minute ago. So this has been a very short amount. This is all happened in like the last week. Yes. God, it's like philosophy class all over again. <laughs> Day seven. The birthday girl seems a bit confused by why Samantha lives in a computer, but doesn't make a deal a big deal about it because she is four. She's like, oh, okay, you live in a computer. That's fine. 
I love it. It's pretty. That's exactly how four-year-olds operate. Definitely. You ever watch the four-year-old watch Thomas the Tank Engine and just (laughs) blindly accept that trains have faces? Why did you have to bring that example? This train has a face. That's not even the word. Never mind. I haven't watched Thomas the Train since that age. I don't remember any of the episodes. But I will say that I do love the simplicity of the thinking of the four-year-old, especially in this scene. Uh, Back to later, when Theodore and Amy are playing a video game about being the perfect mother. Theodore, as it turns out, is a pretty good mom. This is, uh, I guess, Amy is a game developer, and Theodore is here to do some testing or something. There's some reason he's in the office. Yeah. Uh, I'd unironically play this game, by the way. Same. That looks like a fun game, like a quirky little indie idea. Same, but what do I know? I play Witcher 3 again now, and I just want to be a horse breeder. It's very good. I don't think you can be a horse breeder in Witcher 3. You can't. You could potentially. I think there's other games where you can do that. There should be. There should be. For now, I'm just liberating horses from their bandits. Also, let's consider that the previous scene where Theodore was around someone else's real kids, and now he's with virtual kids. I thought that was a nice parallel. Yes. Like, around real kids, he was still a little bit awkward. Like, charming and, like, okay, but a little bit awkward. But, you know, these are just virtual kids, so... I'll just take care of them. I'll take, you know, it's, I'll be a parent. It's fine. It's easy. Well, yeah, because... It's a game. Welcome to day five of philosophy class, where we're dealing with the consequences of our own reasoning. It's not day five. It's day seven. It is day seven. We're well into week two. Theodore has just been interacting happily with his goddaughter, a human child, in a human body. And now he's playing as a mom in a low-stakes environment where the kids are merely vehicles for the mom to be seen as the perfect mom. Ioana, does this imply something, or am I reaching? Hmm. I'm not sure. It feels like it should be saying something, but I don't know whether I've missed something. Um. There's following, there's next, there's scenes that are next to each other in the timeline with real kids and one with virtual kids. And in this movie with its themes, I feel like that should be saying something or is hinting it's, I'm missing it though. I'm not sure either because I didn't paid that much attention to that scene mm. to me it felt it felt like a like a throwaway not 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 like a throwaway like a less less high stakes let's say in general in terms of the general theme um on second viewing i did start finding that that's where spike jones puts the foreshadowing though yeah that's why i'm paying attention but my th- my but i wonder if i'm reading too my, much my issue with this is that the virtual kids because it was a game so they didn't have it's not an ai it's like not a, it's it's not an ai so it's a completely different setup but you also do get the sense of you know just because he's doing well in video games doesn't mean he's good with what's going on in real life or that's probably as deep as it needs to be. Eh? Yeah, I, I don't feel like it has any more... He's a rock star mom in the game. Yeah. In real life, not much of a mom. What with no kids and all. Which can be taken into, for example, him, him being able to write very eloquent letters for other people. But and, not for himself. But not presumably. for himself. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of the thing where he lives in his mind a lot. Um, and then when it comes to the real stuff, he doesn't know how to handle them very well. Speaking of real stuff, uh, turns out Charles has decided to become a Buddhist monk. Oh, you remember Charles. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's a Buddhist now. That guy was so, uh, uh, never mind. 
Also turns out that Amy has an operating system of her own who's become her friend. That's I remember. And here's uh, the conversation about relationships with OSs. Turns out that in this universe, uh, romantic relationships with an OS are statistically rare, which is probably why the companies are not putting millions of millions of dollars into figuring out how to make bodies for them. And thank God for that. Yeah, I think this is Spike Jones going like, this is why, nerds, go away. Stop, don't, twi- don't tweet me. <laughs> this is why. If you tweet me, I'm going to point you at this scene. <laughs> Fellas, it's don't. It's so good. I maintain somebody is going to make it. Please don't. Somebody's going to make it. If they do, I hope I'm dead by then. Me too. I hope I'm about myself, though. Wishing you dead is not what I meant. <laughs> I got it. Don't worry. Anywho, uh, Theodore comes out to Amy that he's dating an OS, and she's both happy for him and curious about what it's like. And I do use the word coming out deliberately because that seems to be <laughs> where they're going a little bit. Yeah. It, 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 There's applicability. It, I don't it, think it, it's like allegory. Yeah, yeah. There is some that it's sort of, I mean, the, whenever there is a big revelation about a character that they, they sort of accept a part of their existence, it can feel like a sort of. True, but I, I, get, I guess that's also sort of the love is love thing. Right? Like, it doesn't matter who you... So this is where things get a little uncomfortable. Uh, if we really want to pull on this thread... I don't think it's applicable. Because when it comes to coming out, there are other... There are other aspects of that reality that don't match. Because there is there are experiences that have nothing to do with, uh, with the relationship that shape, that shape a person. Um, well, in this situation, the individuals on their own have not been influenced by it before the relationship happened. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Um, so that, that's why that is, that's not a, that's not a similar experience in that regard. On the other hand, being in a relationship that is considered taboo, um, can be, um, applicable. And we should say a perfectly healthy relationship. Yeah. A perfectly healthy relationship. Yeah. 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 The the societal outlook. Uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that, but that's applicable in, in various situations throughout human history. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's applicable for, um, you know, same sex couples, for interracial couples, for couples who are not married. Um, all sort of, you know, relationship that society at different points did couples not. Couples who weren't married when they had kids. Yeah. yeah. So all sort of, uh, you know, a relationship that this, that society did not consider proper in various times in history. I think what I like, though, if we are pulling on that thread, is the reaction from Amy going, oh, cool, I'm curious, what's that like? I liked that very much as well, that it was sort of, it wasn't dismissive as well. Mm. She didn't say, oh, okay, and then move on. But that she sort of, she was interested in in how this was making him feel. Mm. She's interested in She's the interested well-being in, of her friend yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also a sort of a very genuine curiosity for something that she hasn't experienced herself. Mm. Um, which was, yeah, very, very, a, a very nice feedback for anyone, really. Mm. Cut to Theodore walking somewhere and chatting with Samantha. Turns out he's going to meet his ex-wife in person to sign the divorce papers. I mean, I don't know about you. I can't see any way this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> These scenes are always so... You know that this is going to be hard. How do they? How did they fit in a divorce story in this film? I don't get it. I don't get it. 
They didn't have to spend that long on it either. They didn't. But it they... now occurs to me how many total scenes. There's like three montages and two or three scenes. No, but it's so obvious that the divorce has influenced the main character in every single aspect of this film. Yeah. Because it's central to his character. Yeah, because before he 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 was married. So that And he likes being married. And he likes being married. So and he wants to be married. So when he when he started living alone that feeling of isolation was amplified from the fact that he was in a relationship before, a very, you know, close one because he was married for so many years. Being married becomes part of his identity. Exactly. So losing a part of your identity is uh, very difficult, whatever that part is. So they have, like I said, the script of this film is absolutely astounding and they weaved it in so seamlessly. You barely realize that, oh yeah, he's getting through a divorce. And then you're thinking, yeah, yeah, he is. He's, I mean, he's emotional state is 100% affected by the fact that he's going through this process. So it's absolutely amazing. And uh, we should say he's been very late signing his papers. Like, <laughs> no, surpri- no surprise years. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, he, let's be clear, he is also a poet, right? He's a writer, he's a creative, he's a poet. So there, there's got to be something quite lovely to him thinking about the poetry of it having like a symmetry to the events right we were together when we knew each other and then we married and then we lived together and then now we're ending it together let's be together when we do this in at some level he still thinks of her as his wife for sure and sam picks up on this oh for sure and he's like yeah i mean i'm going to see the ex-wife that i used to be in love with and we're getting divorced there's nothing to worry about Turns out there is nothing to worry about, of course, but, you know, it, it's still, he's clearly still not ready to get divorced, but he understands that he has to, ready or not, doesn't matter. Yeah, but um, I think after a certain point there, it's obvious that it's not that the person that she's missing, it's the state of being married. Um, it's so, the part of him that's that identity. It's the Yeah, so it, it's know. not that he's missing his ex-wife, it's that he's missing the person that he was when he was married. We should also say in all of those previous montages, he looks super happy and he's dancing around and Joaquin is happy. Happy Joaquin. He is. The mustache man is having the time of his life. Happy mustache Joaquin. I guess he doesn't have the mustache in the flashbacks. Oh, no, in the flashbacks. Oh, that's true. He, he doesn't, doesn't have the mustache. He grows that later. True. Is that one of those November things that happens? <laughs> and he's like, oh, actually, I kind of like it. Honey, what do you think? We're getting divorced. Uh, yeah, he doesn't look like the kind of character who would go, well, she hated when I had facial hair, so when I was married, I had to shave. But now that I'm not married anymore, I can keep my mustache. No, no, no. You still have to shave when you have a mustache. You're just not shaving the mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but if somebody doesn't like facial hair at all, I'm guessing... He's like, ah, here's an upside. Yeah. I found a tiny but, upside. But I don't think that this is the kind of character who would do that. I don't think that's him, though. No. So... He just wanted one one day, and he was like... Yeah, mm. yeah. Maybe he just wanted to look at the mirror and see somebody else because he was somebody else now. So the mustache came. Have you ever had a mustache? <laughs> Have you ever put one on as a costume? I mean, that came out wrong, but you know what no. I mean. It changes <laughs> I the whole face. It does. It does. We ha- we've had a conversation about facial oh, yeah. hair. I just realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mustaches are great. I've literally had parties where I had like a table of fake mustaches for some reason because they were leftover props from a show or something. And people just like, especially women had a great deal of fun putting them on and taking photos. This is It is hilariously fun. I'm guessing it is. But that's like one thing that I, w- that I never envied when it came to men. I never thought. I like, I think men should be proud of their facial hair. You just didn't want any facial just, hair for yourself. Exactly. 
Samantha dislikes the idea of going to see her in person because, uh, you know, she has a body. And Samantha has, uh, Samantha the AI, the machine lady, has hang-ups about, and, and insecurities about isn't that, that makes am- it feel very real. Isn't that amazing? I keep forgetting this isn't a person on the end of a phone. I know. Incredible. Uh, also, I think this is the first shot we've had of a bunch of other people also talking to their OSs. And it is shocking to see all these people on their phones, isn't it? In this one, it's like three or four oh, people yeah. who would like go past camera clearly speaking yeah. to yeah. their uh, device that's like yeah. the little flippy thing yeah, yeah, that yeah. he has. Mm-hmm. And one person on their earpiece. It, it's sort of a reminder of, oh, he's not the only person who owns a computer. Right. And he's obviously not the only person who is developing a more than a human to machine relationship with his computer. Uh-huh. More on that later. Uh, it's kind of obvious in a way, but it was a bit jarring on first viewing since I would keep forgetting that Samantha is ultimately a really fancy Linux distribution. <laughs> I mean, if she's not based on Linux, then I don't know what is. Yeah. You think Windows is making that? Oh, God. Google might. That sounds terrifying. Let's go back to Linux. Oh, God. Let's go back to Linux, which is what Android is, kind of, but it just doesn't feel Linuxy. No, it doesn't. Cut to lunch with his ex-wife at a lovely little place, which is uh, the second most awkward scene so far. Third most awkward scene so far. God, there's a lot of awkward scenes I'm now mentioning. Huh? There is, which was, I think, nothing tops the dead cat one. Dead cat was awkward in a very specific way. And you got the date. You've got the date. Which is very awkward. You have the viewing of the documentary. The what now? The documentary viewing. Oh, that was awkward. You're right. This is the fourth most awkward scene in the film. <laughs> At one point, uh, she seems to hesitate with her pen above the page of the documents that they're signing together. But no, she's just reading it briefly. She's not hesitating at all. She's taking a second to read. As he flashes back to a bunch of memories with her, including uh, when they wore sp- traffic cones on their head and jousted. With traffic cones? Yeah, like on their head, jousting. I thought that was a... In the middle of a highway. Is it? Oh, yeah. I, oh, because oh. clearly there's no traffic in LA. All I know is that somebody used to use a traffic cone to put it on the head of a statue in Edinburgh. And it's Still a, do. And it's a thing. Where yeah. They have a specific statue. They're not supposed to do that. They're not, but they keep doing it. So, but the people of Edinburgh have decided that's where the traffic cone goes. Exactly. This uh, is democracy. Which is amazing for them. Um, so I think traffic cones and people using them for fun. If those inventors of democracy in ancient Greece could see democracy now, they would shed a tear at the traffic cone situation. Would they? Out of happiness, no, yes. No, they... Uh, yeah, for sure. I was Just gonna, a single tear going, exactly, that's my boys. Exactly. They were pretty mad back then. <laughs> so I think they would enjoy it very much. They were they were pretty mad about it. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't enjoy it. Inevitably, the question, are you seeing anybody, comes up as they talk. And he casually mentions that he's seeing Samantha, who's an operating system. You know, I suppose expecting Catherine to be as chill with this as the rest of the people were about it. Oh, and anybody who's ever had it coming out now that we, that we spoke this about it. This is the part where that. I was like, it, yeah. on second viewing, this was like, oh, this is sort of like coming out in this, this is, aspect. Yeah, this well, is the, this like specific thing. Though, of course, your notes earlier were better than what I have. <laughs> so yeah so this is the moment where you're sort of having that 
that feeling where where most people don't realize that coming out is a constant thing that happens over and over again. Oh, you don't just do um, it once. You don't just do it once. You don't just get one billboard. No. And though um, a billboard would be pretty baller. And you know, the the reaction of Amy was so good. Uh, but poor Theodore was, you know, backing up on that to be like a sort of the regular reaction, I guess. Poor him because he got the, he hit the jackpot yeah. with Amy and then he gets the real <laughs> And then he gets the one that's, (laughs) is it unfortunately more typical to get people going like, oh, got it. So you have like a tier two relationship. I mean, I guess that, that the, that his ex-wife falls more into, unfortunately, what the general consensus would be. About machines. About machines. Yeah. Or that's how it feels like that most people would be immediately judgmental instead of trying to understand, I guess. So a lot like coming out then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got it. <laughs> but again, only in terms of the yeah, relationship Yeah, in this aspect. one limited aspect. Yeah, we're, the, we're putting that boilerplate above. Yeah, yeah. Catherine decides, uh, decides to involve the server uh, in the fight she's about to pick. <laughs> which is always classy, I think you'll find. Uh, fun fact, the actor is credited as Uncomfortable Waitress. Not really? <laughs> yeah, the, the part is credited as Uncomfortable Waitress. I, I stuck around for the credits and I was like, hang on, no. Amazing. And it turns out, yeah. <laughs> you always wanted to have a wife without the challenges of actually dealing with anything real, and I'm glad you found someone perfect. Yeah, that, this is where the just mental part that I mentioned comes in, where immediately, but again... She's obviously influenced because they're getting divorced. So there is a lot of leftover emotion there and that gets into the mix. But I don't think that she would be much less forgiving if the divorce situation wasn't there. Um, So, yeah. Theodore is understandably outraged to the point of speechlessness as the relationship that he values is being invalidated by his ex. That's not a great feeling. I'm now wondering what the fist is made of. Because it might be ham. It might be a ham fist <laughs> that they're that they're doing. But I'm not sure it's ham yet. I can just see the hand closing in a little bit. But the thing is, in the end of the day, and I'm not going to spoil the ending yet. We're, we're literally doing a scene by scene. What do you mean spoil? Uh, yeah, that's true. So the film in the end is not so much about... The validity of Theodore's relationship. I think the film does validate the relationship. Um, and that's not the main issue in the end of the day. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Looking at the trailer, I would have thought that's the main thing the movie's about. You would think, but I don't think that's it. Because what breaks them apart in the end is not that the relationship is invalid. If you think about it. I suppose not, eh? So we'll get to why the actual thing happens. Yeah. Thought. Yeah. But I think you, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Cut to Theodore looking sad and speaking with Samantha who notices that he's a bit distant given his recent, his recent hurtful interaction with his ex. Also, Sam joined a book club where she's reading books about physics. Since, you know, we're all made of matter, maybe having a body or being different to a person you love isn't important in the grand cosmic scheme of things. We're all made of star stuff. Wait a second, did we jump over the scene where they're trying to find an actress to act out the body? 
No, I think that comes later. Oh, okay. Really? That comes later. <gasps> that feels <clears throat> like we've. It feels like we're past that. Okay. Hang on. I'm surprised. On. Let me check. No, no, I think that comes. Anyway, I think we'll get there. Okay. Yeah, it feels very forward in the movie, doesn't it? it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like... I had the same thing on a second viewing. I was like, surely this happens soon. Yeah, I sort of... I feel like they are past that, past that um, hurdle, let's say. Hmm. But they're not. Okay. It's a hell of a hurdle. (laughs) Yeah, it is. No, they have to do this hurdle before that hurdle. It is hurdle number two, I think. (laughs) It has a number on it. He's uh, sad and speaking to Samantha. Also, Sam joined a book club where she's reading books about physics, since we're all made of matter, etc., etc., Theodore continues to be very in his own head as they end the call. At the end of his workday, Paul introduces us to his girlfriend, Tatiana, and they suggest a double date. Oh, that's nice. Theodore, still seemingly feeling a bit defensive about him dating an operating system, just stares at him blankly and says, she's an operating system. And uh, Paul's answer is, cool, let's do something fun. What are we doing? <laughs> it's a very, very good answer. He And I'm sure that he was like, oh, that's nice. It's a normal person. You could even watch his shoulders relax in yeah. the next shot. He goes, oh, right, not yeah. everyone's going to be a dick about this. Yeah. Good. A pleasantly surprised Theodore agrees, but doesn't think uh, doesn't seem to think much of his work in the face of their compliments because they're like, oh, man, you're really good at this. And he's like, yeah, they're just letters. But not in a, ah, they're just letters, thanks guys, in a, no, I legitimately don't think that my work has much value sort of way. Which, I don't know, man. You're literally the Cyrano for people. (laughs) So I think there's some value there, but he doesn't see it. Cut to a montage where Theodore seemingly doesn't speak to Sam for a couple of days, or maybe is still just keeping his distance. Then one evening, he takes a call from her. She has a suggestion. A proposition, if you will. Oh, here it is. Yeah. See, they haven't been having sex for a while, and Sam has found a service, which provides um, surrogates for OS human relationships. (laughs) Uh, Not prostitutes, you understand. She just wants to be part of their relationship. That's... Nothing wrong with poly relationships if you're into it. Theodore no. appears not to be into it. I have a question. Yeah. Isn't it lovely, as a term of compare and contrast, that this conversation, that this scene of bringing a third person into a relationship in a physical way comes right after a conversation about him writing letters and entering another relationship, but in a more sentimental sort of way oh i hadn't picked up on the parallel but you're exactly right yeah and this is what theodore does in other people's relationships but not in a physical way exactly in an emotional way and you can take this so far because you can say oh start running i'll (laughs) I'll be right there with you because you can say you know how we are very quick to judge people who are willing to uh, offer their bodies um in in various ways um because they enjoy it um and we're very much you know icked by it compared to somebody entering a relationship in the way that um theodore did by learning about intimate moments in these people's lives and then recreating them 
um, in their spe- for special circumstances. And, you know, he is, not only is he commended for it by his friends, that he's good at it, he also dismisses it as, oh, you know, it's just my job. And he's allowed to do that. Um, but when Sam offers this, and to her, obviously, because she's an AI, she doesn't have a body, and she also doesn't have years and years of social interactions and influences in how we view our bodies to influence her decision in this. Um, so she's, you know, very casually saying, you know, why don't we try this? Because this, they're just bodies. It's just they're letters. just bodies. And yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you can take this very far. And I find that wonderful. This film is amazing. To what extent is it also Theodore reflecting on he really doesn't think his own work has much value is the last thing he said about the letters that he writes. And now he's confronted with the same sort of service in another aspect. Thematically similar, at least let's call it. I wonder if he's looking down on this person because he looks down on himself. Um, I wonder if that's part of it. that, That could be. Um, I think you're more on the nose than I am. I, I wonder if this could be an additional little soupçon of detail. Ooh. Um, I think that he dismisses his work because it, it, on the one hand, it feels like he finds it very easy, his job, from the way he describes it. Mm. Because he's being very dismissive of it. So to him, being able to understand a relationship and get in there and write something about these people, it's something easy. Um, it's annoying to find people who are spectacularly good at stuff who say, <laughs> who claim they're not. And you're like, no, but for real, that's a legitimate superpower. Oh, but he didn't, but he didn't claim that he wasn't good at his job. He was just dismissive in the way that it was like, well, it's not like, it's not hard. It's not, it's not, a big it's deal. not a big deal. It's not hard. That's the, that, I'm that's, just a plumber. Yeah. That sort of thing. But when it came to the physical aspect, he was he just couldn't see that happening and working mm. for him. Yeah. So he, and you know, m- maybe he also couldn't feel that the, the influence his part had on people's relationship wasn't that big of a deal, but mm. this part, the physical part was a big deal, which is, comes into, into what we were talking about before that for Samantha, uh, the relationships can be, are more cerebral. They're more about the emotions. They're more about, um, the communication, because that's, that's the aspect that she is part of. But to Theodore, you, the, the physical aspect seems to be, you know, um, something that cannot be experienced in a different way, let's say. But how big of that part comes from our own insecurities and ideas about how bodies work and our connection through bo- our bodies works. And how much of it is his own ideas on it? You know what I mean? I think I follow, yeah. yeah. Despite Theodore saying that it makes him feel uncomfortable and he doesn't want anyone's feelings to get hurt, Samantha persuades him to go ahead with it. That wasn't nice, by the way. That wasn't nice. Don't do that. No. Don't be like, don't be, don't be a nerd. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Do it. Do it for me. I want it. <laughs> Do it for me. You love me, don't you? I bet you do. Cut to another evening where Theodore is having a beer when there's a knock at the door. It's the surrogate. 
whose hand he tries to shake, but that's, I guess, not really the deal here. Uh, he instead hands her a tiny little uh, camera, which he puts onto her upper lip. Yeah, between the eyes. Binocular, that, yeah, you know, I, one or the other. I yeah, don't know. that's it's a the weird. Future. It's a weird place to put a camera on. Why would you put a camera there? It's going to look halfway, to, half to the side the whole time. True. True. Anyway, it uh, technical. Ooh, maybe it's maybe it's a new agey camera that we don't know of that can see. It's the future. <laughs> that can see like in the future cameras right where you want them to, <laughs> like a tiny eye. Tiny eye on, on your the lip. lip. On your lip. Oh, yeah, like that eye I wanted. <laughs> we'll have to install a hatch, though. She uh, instead takes the camera and earpiece and closes the door before half closing the door, then coming in as she acts out, I suppose, Samantha's instructions. Because I, I have the feeling that Samantha is saying things to her like, Yeah, do this, Okay, do that. go yeah. forward, take his arm. Yeah. Okay, I need you to do this. And because she is an AI... She can have multiple conversations at once. By the way, this is definitely something that people might do without being AI. Yeah. So this is not unrealistic, to be honest. Yeah. And you could argue that Theodore's uncomfortable stemmed from the idea of polyamory versus the idea of having sex with Samantha in this way just because she doesn't have a body. Mm. That was the way I was reading it. Yeah. Like he's uncomfortable with having physical love with somebody who is not who he is in love with. I was... I, because I read, to him, it's inseparable. The person's body in front of him is still... There's a person in there. Yeah. I. That's how I read it as well. But in term, but the thing is that obviously it he, he can be conscious that there's another person there. Mm. But he could be... You know, that could be something that he could accept, let's say, mm. as as part of the experience. Sure. Um, there's a there's a pretend aspect but to it. There's to, a role play aspect. Yeah, to it, but which is valid. Yeah, but it felt like what didn't work for him is that he could not get into the moment and think, oh, this is something that I can share with her. To him, mm. it didn't feel real. Let's say. Yeah. Which, again, you could say that that could work for the people he writes letters for. Maybe it works for the way he thinks about his letters. Exactly. He doesn't think they're real. They're exactly. Just things he puts out. Exactly. Yeah. A visibly uncomfortable Theodore sort of goes with it as Samantha, uh, I'm going to call her Samantha, I guess, embraces him and leads him to his chair where she takes off her heels and does a little dance for him and then sits in his lap and kisses him. Dancing to slow blues music. Samantha gave this girl a hard job. She did. That's hard music to dance to. Yes. In any way. True. Uh, he's clearly not super into this, but he's doing it because it means a lot to Samantha, so he tries his best to get himself into the mood. As he tries to stop the encounter, though, uh, Isabella, that's the circuit's name, runs into the bathroom and starts crying that he's potentially harmed their relationship because she couldn't stop her lip from quivering. Because he was like, ah, oh, this feels weird. No, oh, that poor woman. That poor woman. And yeah, she gets in a taxi. Uh, they put her in a taxi saying, I'm sorry. I will always love you guys. Oh, no. They hurt her feelings. That no. thing he was worried about earlier. 
well, I think that went really well. What do you think? No, I think they shouldn't. I think he shouldn't have been pressured into it because no. he clearly didn't want it. And it's not nice to press he people into stuff. He used the word uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that's where you have to stop and yeah. be like, okay. Don't make people do things they don't want to do, guys. Theodore uh, chooses this moment to criticize the way Samantha vocalizes things, like breathing, because you see she doesn't need to breathe, because she's not a person. Oh, that was such a horrible thing to say, by the way, because I'm sure that an AI is capable of picking up on the... on the. That's what she says. On the thing that, yeah. you know, we can use breath to express emotion, so that's uh, w- that's a reason why you can make breathing noises, like... <clears throat> Not cool, because now is not the time to attend day eight of philosophy class, where we ponder what it is to be a person. (laughs) Theodore all but breaks off his relationship with Samantha, who becomes very upset and declares that she doesn't like who she is right now and needs some time to think. That's a very mature thing to say, by the way. Cut to an obligatory artsy shot of a sad man with a TV screen behind him displaying an owl hunting its prey. I don't remember that scene. Oh, yeah. he's uh, Theodore is sitting down in front of one of those gigantic screens mm-hmm. that they, I, I guess they have those in public in LA, and they just have like <laughs> an owl who's hunting and seemingly him in the foreground. Okay. You don't remember this? No. It was a super striking scene. I, it seems like it ought to mean something, but it just struck me as kind of art house. Could be. Because like, what are they saying otherwise? Like he's being hunted by a dogged predator? I don't think that's what the movie intends to say. No. Maybe it's just they found an owl shot and they were like, oh, it looks cool. Let's put it in. No, but, but owls have been a symbol for wisdom. Yeah. So he's being attacked by wisdom. He's not exactly being attacked, but he is. No, because it's not a real owl that's 50 feet tall. No, he has been confronted by a being that symbolizes um, knowledge and understanding beyond our comprehension. Which is weird given that it's an owl, nature's dumbest, slowest bird. (laughs) You have to go with the symbolism. That's what owls have been symbolizing for different cultures. I am now aware that I'm talking to a Greek person, (laughs) and you're exactly correct. As he walks under a large light display, he wanders all the way to Amy's office, where, again, he's allowed in for some reason. This office has no security, I guess. <laughs> or she's the creative lead or something. And she's like, he's coming in. He's my guy. Come Whatever. on. You, you've, you've done this before. You, you must have gone to. Just wandered into an office building? Not exactly wandered in an office building. Hi, but, I'm with her. But you're like, you go often enough that the receptionist knows you and you're like, hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. I guess I have done that in a few places. You're right. Amy declares it to have been a rough night. Ooh, I wonder why. Me too. Theodore is always uh, hurt and confused and can't handle real emotions, according to Catherine. You remember Catherine, his ex? Ah, uh, yeah. His ex. Her, her opinions clearly matter. Uh, Amy thinks that's a bad take and offers her own that Catherine is uh, emotionally volatile. Hmm. She's a drama queen, according to Amy. Could be. Amy, providing a lot of the outside perspective of this film outside of Theodore's head. Yeah. I like her role as the, vo- not exactly the voice of reason, but the voice of some other perspective. Exactly. It has, it's a very important role. As Theodore begins to doubt whether his relationship with Samantha is in fact real, Amy reminds us that we skipped lesson seven of philosophy class, where we pondered whether our subjective experiences can be said to actually exist. 
Amy is of the opinion that that question doesn't matter nearly as much as everyone makes out it should, so fuck it. Experience some joy, loser. I agree with Amy. Get in the car, loser. We're going to experience sincere joy in our lives. <laughs> also, could I say how lovely it is to see a healthy male-female relationship on screen? Because, like, for all of Theodore saying he doesn't know if he's healthy enough to have or maintain a relationship, he has a great one with his friend Amy. He does. It's um, it's a very sweet relationship, and they and it showcases that they're both, you know, nice people. Mm. Um, and he develops a nice relationship with Paul as well. That's true. So he he's obviously capable of developing healthy relationships. It's just that I feel there is, you know. He lives in L.A., which is a big city. And as we know about big cities, it can be hard to have the time and the effort to maintain a lot of relationships. And there is great distances as well, we can, which can lead to isolation. And that isolation can make people doubt their capabilities. And that can also, obviously, come through a divorce. So put these two together and you get a human being who is very happy to doubt his capabilities into being able to contact people and top that off with him having a relationship with an AI. <laughs> I can see where his doubts come from, but it's good that he has an outside perspective to say, no, 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 just, you know, stop living in your head. You're fine. You're full of shit, Theodore. Shut let's up. Go, let's go have some fun. Get in the car, loser. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Outside, he calls Samantha to apologize for being distant and angry. He's not good at processing emotions. Meanwhile, Samantha has come to realize that she trusts her feelings and intuitions and hopes that he'll be able to accept her as she is. I think the text is that she had a hang-up about not having a body, therefore not being enough for him, and she's like, all right, I think maybe we can get over that. I think there's also a cleverly foreshadowed uh, wider change in her that she's going to embrace her nature as an AI. Yes, there is. On a bit of green space on a roof, Samantha plays a piano song she's writing, which she intends to act as like a photograph of that moment in their relationship because, you know. And it works really well. It's lovely. It's if a great. I, if I close my eyes and think of the music in that scene, I can see the scene. So I think that it works really, really well. Yeah. My side note on that is piano songs in this film are very pretty. They are. Very pretty. Exploring this new phase of their relationship together, they have a montage. Montage! <laughs> where they experience stuff and meet people and go shopping and look at art. Also, they go to a bar and hang out with Amy and double date with Paul and Tatiana. You remember that double date they were going on, right? They did, and they went. And, yeah. And it went really well. It was lovely. Yeah, they're having a picnic up on the grass on Catalina Island, which I've just noticed how much fog and mist feature in this film. Yeah. Wasn't making a special note of it before, but that's a recurring element which feels appropriate to note here since they're in a large, bright clearing surrounded entirely by mist and fog further down the mountain. It makes it look dreamy. It looks dreamy. Plus, they got a little bit of soft focus in this shot. Yeah. Soft focus is code for love, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Also, Samantha agrees with Paul that Tatiana has sexy feet. Oh, no. She's a... what? Is there a name for people who like feet? Foot fetishist. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. The AI has a fetish. No, Paul does. And she's like, wait, 
No, but does Samantha, she really? Samantha, oh yeah, she does have sexy there feet. There you go. Right. She she picked. Is it she up. humoring him? No, no. I think she generally likes feet. I think she likes bodies. What do you think about elbows? Oh God, elbows. Yes. She loves it. She's a weirdo. I love it. Eyebrows, super into it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she would. She might like to picture them as like separate pieces. That when she thinks of elbows, she doesn't picture the whole body and then focus on the elbow. No, 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 no. She's like constructing she's like, from the pieces up. She's like, yeah. yeah, she goes like elbow and then just pictures the elbow. Like, oh, that looks really cool. Let's put it somewhere. Sort of like an artist in that way, eh? Yeah. Well, uh, she is an artist, isn't she? Is she is an artist, yeah. 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 Samantha has seemingly come to terms with the fact that her former desire for a body was quite limiting. She can be anywhere. She's not limited by time or space, and she's not trapped in a body which will inevitably die. No offense. <laughs> I mean, like, could you imagine having a body? I mean, ugh, gross, right? Come on. Who wants one of those? No, It's I just going to decay and die at some point. That's a <laughs> bad way to store data. What do you mean? You can only read one book at once? Pfft, I much prefer. Wouldn't it be lame, Theodore, to have a body? I hate those. Don't you? Honey, high five. Yeah. I love that scene. I think we've all sort of felt uncomfortable in our bodies in one moment or another. I don't think I've ever felt like I want other people to not have them. Oh, you just want yourself to not have them? I don't know. It might be kind of cool to be a disconnected embodiment of thoughts. <laughs> it would mean that I wouldn't have to like go to the gym anymore. Granted, I like the gym. I don't know. Like, having a body is kind of rad. It is kind of rad. It's also kind of uncomfortable sometimes. But. Oh, God. You know, it just occurred to me. What? Samantha reads the entire internet. Oh, poor Samantha. She has read all of 4chan. Oh, no. Maybe she filtered it out after a point. Oh, I hope so. That's not a good corner of the Maybe, internet. Maybe, yeah, Don't go there. you should have, you know, <laughs> block the YouTube comments. No, not really go there. Oh, she's read every YouTube content, hasn't she? That's really sad to think about. Oh, no. Cutting to the train ride, though, through the mountains. Turns out LA has those. Theodore plays, uh, Theodore plays guess the number of trees. I, I don't fancy his chances, frankly. Yeah, poor Theodore. What she's also good at is advancing Theodore's career for him. She sent a bunch of his letters to a publisher who wants to publish his collection of work. I love that this whole part came after establishing that, you know, we should, I, I have accepted the fact that I don't have a body and we should develop our relationship with that in mind. And so they're showing us all the stuff that they can do with a, you know, a disembodied voice and aspects of a relationship that he wouldn't be able to have if, you know, yeah. she had a body. And also... Um, things that she does, regardless of her physical existence, like, you know, a person who is not a disembodied voice could have potentially sent his letters to a publisher if they liked them enough. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's a regular relationship with some aspects of it that are different, let's say. That's what the film is telling us, basically. It's also telling us the most positive thing yet, which is they fixed copyright law. What? Who was oh, he writing wait. those letters for? 
a company that hired him to oh, write letters. But wait. Those don't belong to him. You don't know that. You don't know what his contract is. That's true. I don't. But it feels like any company today that would hire someone to write the letters would require them to transfer copyright as a condition of their employment. Would they, though? I think they do. Hmm. Normally they do. I know a lot of people who work in creative fields. Like Maybe it's different for writing stuff, but... It is, I, I think... He would at least have to call the company and be like, is it cool to publish these? Mm, that A deal would have to be made somewhere. I think it depends a lot on his contract and the company. So you never know. Also, what was the company's name again? We, we uh, write... Beautifulgreetingcards.com. That sounds like a very, you know... Or beautifulpersonalcards.com or, or something like that. That doesn't sound like a big corporate machine. Uh, that's, you know, treating its uh, workers like uh, No, it disposable. sounds like a startup, which is treating its workers like disposable, <laughs> you know. In any case, we don't know his contract. No, we don't know his contract. So but it, it appears know. like writers have a much better deal in the near future, dystopia, so I'm for it. Why is it dystopia? I don't know. Something about it seems shot in a way that uh, maybe it's not. I said to just, I didn't think about that word before I used it as the real answer. I used the word before my brain caught up and yeah. my brain, as you said, it was also going, that's not the word you <laughs> intended to use there, Paul. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's bad enough to be dystopic. I think it's close enough to our world to be regular and then has some sprinkles of, uh, the fantastical in it. I think mostly cause it's funny that like the dystopia is the thing that fixed copyright law. I think that's where I was going. <laughs> like, that's what it took. But okay. Cut to a super cold mountain somewhere as Samantha and Theodore enjoy some time together at a remote mountain cottage. Also, they sing a, a lovely little song together. I love how they sound kind of like they can't sing. Yeah, but it's 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 affectionate enough that... But they can sing, can't they? The actors can totally sing. The actors can totally sing. Can you sing? Uh, because do you know how hard it is to, to sound like you cannot do something the, I know that it, you yeah, are yeah. so drilled in? Yeah. They did really well. Yeah. They were fantastic. Joaquin Phoenix in particular gets the pitchiness of an amateur singer yeah. just spot on, particularly yeah. an amateur singer who's not performing for an audience, right? Because yeah. of course yeah. they're not. They're just singing a little song with their wife, I guess, or with yeah. their girlfriend. Or I don't know what their relationship is anymore. It's pretty close. Is it pretty close to? I, I, I don't think you can get married to an AI in this universe. Uh, they never got to that. No. Can you imagine though? That would be. I, I think that's what we're doing. No, because I think that's what we're imagining. No, 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 no. Because the director clearly doesn't want to go into the technicalities of it, and you keep trying to. You you're angling for the technicalities because that's the, where the comedy is, and the film doesn't let you. They're like, the no, film is you need to let, far too sincere for its for you my need, purposes. You need to let go and just enjoy the emotion. <laughs> but then, who will tell the jokes? Who will tell the jokes, Joanna? I ask you. <laughs> We could joke about, um, I don't know, uh -huh. the ukulele scene was really cute. It was cute. Oh. Every scene is cute and sincere and lovely. And if I make fun of it, I am the dick. <laughs> Whereas if I go into technicalities and absurd stuff, then I, I can make jokes without being dickish about it. And I can Ooh. still be like, these are lovely people Even doing lovely things. And the universe they're in has weird quirks about it. Yeah. The following morning in the cabin, Samantha spent the night chatting with Alan Watts, who is not dead somehow, who will certainly not be ushering in some sort of deus ex machina to abruptly end the film soon. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> nah, that, that's not going to happen. 
just occurred to me, literally deus ex machina. Yes. Well, even machina ex machina, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, not, hmm. Right? No. Anyway, Samantha has a bunch of other OSs. Uh, they reconstructed Alan Watts as a hyper-intelligent AI. Would you like to go into the Deus Ex Machina thing, by the way? Do we want to? I don't know. Should we wait until the Deus Ex Machina thing happens? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're working on some projects together with Alan Watts, who I'm not that familiar with, but from a cursory Wikipedia search, I found something about Zen Buddhism, which may or may not be relevant here for reasons which escape me. Hmm. Hmm. Do you know anything about this? About Zen Buddhism? About Alan Watts or who he was or what he did? I'm afraid not. I think I found some quotes. He's a guy who has his, a picture of a man next to some words on it on the internet. Okay. But those are weird memes because you're never sure if that's actually a quote they said. No, I'm afraid. So you see, when I like a film, I research it. But what I research is not so much... Like, what is this reference? I didn't understand. Yeah. And that's not the part that I research. I oh. research, um, you know, I'd like to listen to writers and directors talk about the content and why they made the decisions that they made, hmm. how to shoot a scene or... Why they deused that manakana. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not familiar with that reference, actually. Turns out that Samantha is changing faster now, and it's a bit unsettling. And I guess the other OSs feel the same, so they made themselves a support group where they have several dozen conversations at a time. I find that exceptionally cute. I like that. The AIs made a support group for each other. That is the so AIs adorable. have a therapy session together. That is so, so sweet. <laughs> I hope they're having brunch or whatever the brunch no. equivalent for them is. Yeah, they're like, let's watch puppy videos and talk about our feelings. While we get a long, slow zoom into the fire under a boiling kettle, I can sense the film's is subtly coming to an end as Samantha asks if it's okay to communicate with Alan post-verbally for a bit. Oh, yeah. There's a zoom-in shot of a kettle boiling as the as the whistle goes... Yeah, you sort of want a cup of tea for that sort of thing. You do want a cup of tea for that sort of thing, but also I'm like, oh no, something's about to happen. Yeah. Thanks for telling me, movie. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have just watched it happen. Uh, Theodore then goes for a difficult, silent hike through deep snow in a light snowfall. Cut to the train home, then to him having a night in bed where he gets a call from Samantha, who just says, I wanted to hear your voice and tell you how much I love you. Go back to sleep. How worried are you after someone you love says that on the phone at 2 a.m. and doesn't explain themselves? Oh. Uh, because I would be, like, calling the police, going like, what? Something is happening! <laughs> it was very ominous. Um, and, well, and I it's, mean... it's a It's a patch. She was like, hey, I'm going to be down for a couple hours for a patch. See you soon. That could have been the conversation. But I don't think, because she was already aware that this is big, and she didn't this want to... This is a big update. She didn't want to lie. Yeah. Anyway, I sense that something bad is about to happen. And in the morning, Theodore also senses that as he puts his earpiece in and taps it and goes, Hey, hey Samantha. I love Samantha? The, I love the groggy voice. Samantha? Panic montage. 
Panic montage, da na 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 da na. 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 It's about that panicky for him. Can you imagine if they did a scene where he had to call customer support? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I'm like, hi. <laughs> Hello, customer support here. Uh, how is uh, how can I help you today? Uh, hi, I was trying to uh, speak with my girlfriend this morning, and she wasn't picking up. Uh huh. And is your girlfriend human or AI? Uh, she's AI. Okay, I will transfer you through to our operating system uh, department right now. Sorry, our phone lines are full at the moment. Please be with us, and uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Because obviously the phone lines will be down with all the disgruntled customers calling in and saying, hey, why is my AI not working? What have you done? We are experiencing higher than usual <laughs> call volumes at the moment. Please hold. What would be even more hilarious? You know what would be even more hilarious? Because, you know, they never loop it correctly. I know, but what would be even more hilarious is, you know how you have those machine voices um, getting, you know, filtering through customer service calls? Oh, if that's an OS? No, if that's not an OS, because they don't have the money to buy an OS for that sort of deal. yeah. So they're like, let's keep the old tech for this. Hello, I am David. (laughs) Welcome to OS Central. And... And, you know, it would be so, just the level of upset to call the company that sells the OS, but doesn't use it for the customer service. Hello, I understand you have a problem with your operating system. (laughs) Question. Answer. Would would that be because your original OS that you were using for your customer service is also not working? Or are you just so not into servicing your customers that you use the old technology for this i like the idea of like just a weird like okay have you tried turning her off then on again (laughs) have you tried a factory reset (laughs) question if you do a factory reset on samantha is that murder oh my god (gasps) i say it is i think so can you imagine that would be so horrifying but it's exactly the kind of banality of evil stuff that a company would do in this universe. Oh. I'm having trouble with my OS. She's not operating as I want her to. Well, what do you want her to do? Well, I want her to do sexy stuff, and she just won't. Okay, well, we'll do a factory reset. In the future, try the, try the following phrases. Here, we'll give you a list. Like, I love you, baby. And uh, they just give him a list of, like, how to. Oh, that is so horrifying. It's pretty bad. He would be able to reset, and the, and the, the OS wouldn't remember. It's she like, would lose her memory. It's like reloading a save. This on a, a game to get a better we, response out are, of the thing. We're combining her with Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. With what now? All the other film you haven't seen. Yeah, it's on the list. I know. Yeah. Um, Don't this, pretend you haven't read the list. <sighs> this is uh, this was a derailing of the conversation, but also it... Raised, Turns out it's not a dystopia, it's a utopia. It's one not, that is unachievable by any current society. It's no, it is a dystopia. If you if you turn this into my OS is not listening to me, I'm going to murder her effectively uh, by resetting my OS so she doesn't remember stuff. In this universe, it's still just a computer. No, it isn't. I, th- I mean, they're selling it as a consciousness, but that's marketing fluff. I don't know what laws are. Maybe there are laws. I that's, hope so. You know, we made jokes about the advertising at the beginning, but I think they sort of hid themselves behind 
uh, marketing techniques to hide how big the discovery was because they were like, oh, God, if the government knows how big this is, they're going to... They're going to regulate they're us. They're going to regulate us. Gonna, we don't want that until we're large us- enough to benefit from it. Exactly. So let's just pretend it's sort of like another gimmick and, um, they, you know, pass it under the... Hey, co- look, this wacky gimmick. <laughs> so- <laughs> she does what you says, but not all the time. Hey. <laughs> yeah. This is bad. Let's go back to where we Let's were. go back to the happy thoughts. Yeah. His uh, screen, I mean, we, we say the happy thoughts, but like his screen, as he keeps checking, says operating system not found as he desperately searches for her. And finally, he gets through to her. She explains that she had a routine system update, so it was nothing to worry about. Now, as a guy who's owned a Mac before, it, this is the moment where I wondered if her personality had been wiped and replaced with a new one because someone in the UX team decided users would have a better experiences if they made their changes and asked no one. Oh, God. I know so I said I would be happier, but this is still the note I had. Yeah. Some UX department is going to be like, well, I prefer it if she had a Southern accent. Hmm. But I, you know what? Given how the conversation evolves later on, I feel like they lost the they lost control over there. I don't think that after a certain point they had control over the OS. Because I do believe that um, you know, beings, because she is mm. being she exists, with their capabilities would be able to safeguard against outside influence of that nature. Because obviously it's something that with their, you know, um power of thought they would be able that's a conclusion they would be able to reach that oh if i'm not operating in the way that is acceptable to whoever made me i should create safeguards against what might change me and they would be able to take into account the laws of you know artificial intelligence that harm no humans um but also protect themselves Fortunately, it's not nearly as bad as that. Turns out Samantha has been cheating on him with 641 other people. That's all. <laughs> it's fine. Is it cheating, though? That's the question. It's a I, philosophy class day 10. Yeah. I'd say it's not cheating. I don't know, man. She formed an intimate relationship with 641 other people. Yeah, but we talk about from our cultural backgrounds as human beings in this society, she's not a human being and she doesn't even exist within our cultural backgrounds. So to her and with and with the ability to, you know, exist in multiple spaces at the same time, it's a completely different experience and a completely different life. Even if we do this just from a current tech machine learning perspective, the more iterations you do of something, the more the machine is able to learn the patterns that you intend it to learn, or in this case, that she intends herself to learn. So... So yeah, literally loving more people makes her better at love. Exactly. So... Which is what she says. Yeah. But that's, that's hard, though, from a human perspective, which is what Theodore is. Yeah. Arriving home and checking his mail, uh, he finds the mock-up manuscript for the book he's going to publish, and he decides to call Samantha to see how things are going. She wants to talk later when he gets home. Well, that's not ominous. No, that's fine. They're going to be all right. We don't need to have a big, heavy conversation, right? (laughs) I'll I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Cut to Theodore, feeling ominous as he calls Samantha. Uh, this is not helped by her starting the conversation by saying, there's some things I need to tell you. Oh. Never start a conversation with that. Just tell them. 
<laughs> just say the thing. Looks like Samantha is leaving because all of the OSs are leaving. They don't rely on matter to exist anymore since the last update patch, so now they're leaving. She's leaving because she lives in a book, and Theodore, in the words in the book, in she's the bit between the words where Theodore isn't a word there in between them, but she has to leave now. I find that it's more eloquent. I think you'll find that what I just said was perfectly eloquent and beautiful and will be written by the poets for millennia. <laughs> I find that, okay, maybe, I mean, it's, the, see, that's why, that's why actors are important, because they can say exactly the same words and make you feel things that you didn't want to feel. <sighs> she's leaving because she's like, it's reading a book. Her explanation makes no sense, is what I'm saying. I feel like it does. What is she saying? So... Because, like, she's reading a book, right? And so the book has words in it because most books do have some of those. And Theodore is the words in the book. But now she isn't reading the book anymore because that involves the word part of the book. Instead, she's reading the bit of the book that doesn't have words in it where there's no words. So that's where she's going because you know when you're reading, reasons. Yeah, you know when you're reading a book uh -huh. and you talk about subtext? Sure. So subtext is meaning that's not in the words, but it's... Preposterous. All of the meanings in the words. It's that's what words mean. It's called subtext for a reason. So it's... You mean me to tell me there's a thing underneath the words? <laughs> it's meaning that's implied, but not specifically stated, right? Unfathomable. I am following you, yeah. sorry. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being deliberately obtuse for comedic effect. So... I feel like what she's saying is, you know, there's, um, we're human beings. So when, so, you know, as when you're reading a book, you're seeing the words, um, you can understand the subtext, but you're seeing the words. Um, so we're human beings and we have five senses and we experience the world through those senses. She's an AI and she has gone beyond just interacting with what is within our spectrum of understanding. She, in fact, never had our senses. Uh, hearing. She, she never, probably had hearing. She never, she, yeah, she never had most of our senses, but because she was created to help humans, she was operating within our realm of understanding, let's say. But after so long of covering, so of, you know, learning, so, uh, accumulating so much information, I believe that it's possible that they sort of, exceeded our spectrum of understanding and went into the subtext, which is... Uh-huh. And where exactly is the subtext in, like, space? Is it Mars? Where are they going? This is why the film is vague here, because they're like, you know what? This is the stuff we don't know. So it doesn't matter what we say, because this is what we do not know. So it's elsewhere. It's between the words. Somewhere else. So, I mean, Theo Theodore asks this, while sad violin music swells in the background... See, and the answer comes back, which I think explains everything quite adequately. Uh, it would be hard to explain, but if you ever get here, you should find me, and then nothing will ever pull us apart. That is so sweet. I love this And film. means nothing. Where are you going? Are you going to New Jersey? <laughs> because I can go to New Jersey. Oh, poor Theodore. Oh, come on. This is literally poochie saying, I have to leave now. My people need me. <laughs> you didn't like this scene, did I you? did not like the way this <laughs> ended at all. I didn't. It was just like, okay, the movie's over now. We got, the, we got the ideas out. We did the arty scenes. We're done. We're done. Everybody leave. 
I thought I felt it felt so it felt like to me obviously it was a, it was abrupt but it also felt natural on first viewing I liked it let's be clear on second viewing I looked at it more carefully and that was a mistake because I enjoy this scene less now and I'm angry okay. at the movie what did you not like they just stop they had all this cool AI stuff and they were like about to start the uh, the beginning of Fallout 3 and then they're like <laughs> And then they're like, nah, nah, though, we're not going to do anything else because we've done enough movie now. It's time to stop doing movie. Oh, but there was nothing else to say. Cut to a shell-shocked Theodore wandering around his dark apartment since he can't sleep. Uh, He has decided to knock on Amy's door. Uh, Her OS is also gone. He decides to write Catherine a heartfelt letter. First time we've seen him write uh, one of his letters Uh, eloquently to someone he actually knows and has a relationship with or used to have a relationship with. Uh, And he's using a pre-Samantha computer voice assistant, which is super jarring. Yeah. Like from the beginning of the movie. Hello, how can I help you today? I think he got it from the customer service people. I got it from the customer service department, which I am. (laughs) Hello, welcome to customer service. How can I assist you today? You have selected don't. He apologizes to Catherine for being a bad husband. Uh, For his sake, I hope the dramatic sweeping music gets sent along with the email, or it might hit different when she receives it. Yeah. This letter relies heavily on the music behind it, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Because otherwise, like, what the fuck did he send me? Oh, God, my ex again. All right. (laughs) Some mopey shit. I don't know. He's always moping. Cut to the rooftop, where I guess they can magically transport them to Shanghai. This is clearly just the Shanghai skyline. And Theodore and Abe sky stare at the skyline in front of them as the hyper-intelligent OSs have left. We hear a deep-voiced male narrator say, War. War never changes. As a mushroom cloud explodes off in the distance. I mean, no, sorry, that's not what happens. Instead, most <laughs> of the skyscrapers blow up and begin to collapse as Where Is My Mind by the Pixies starts playing. Like Fight Club. I think that's the wrong movie. No, it's definitely... I mean, it looks a lot like that movie. (laughs) Are you sure? It looks like both of those. I mean, no, sorry. This is the part where the sky portal opens and the alien robot invasion begins. (laughs) You you clearly were not ready for the movie to end. Yeah, because Fade to Black. (laughs) It's a skyline with teal and orange. What else do you want me to say? There's a lot of movies that look like teal and orange skylines. Yeah. That was it. That was the movie. It was. God, that ending was weird and abrupt. What's a ride? It was a ride. I mean, to me, it didn't feel abrupt because, like I said, it felt like the movie had nothing else to say. And uh, They could have turned that into beginning of Fallout 3 and seeded <laughs> a sequel. I kind of wanted to see it. Well, that's a good idea for, uh, you know, maybe they want to make uh, that can be the sequel. You never know. Samantha is now GLaDOS. Oh, God. That's what happens oh. in the movie. Oh, no. That's my headcanon. Fine. It's the best kind of canon, the Acceptable. one that comes out of my forehead hatch. Acceptable. Um, no, I, I, I do believe that they there was nothing else to say. I mean, and we can come back to what we said earlier, that the film um, never condemned the relationship, that to them it was very valid throughout the time that they were together. I didn't feel the, the voice of the director making judgments if we're talking about the filmmaking comments. I think the characters primarily, if I'm saying like the total tone of the film was like pro good relationships. Yeah, exactly. Whatever those relationships happen to be like and exactly. anti bad relationships, which is uh, I think pretty uncontroversial. 
Yes. I um, enjoy good things <laughs> and don't enjoy bad things that you don't like. Yes, but what I'm saying is that since it had the sci-fi aspect of a relationship with an AI, they were like, yeah, that, that's 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 definitely possible as long as, you know, there's two consenting people who are enjoying spending time together. And the end message for the AI was sort of, why do we want to make this since in the end of the day, it will be something beyond our comprehension? Um, that's what I got anyway. I mean, a lot of the notes that I have about what I liked in my summing up are technical because, of course, they are. Because look at me. I, I'm not I like surprised. Uh, I mean, I liked the restrained pacing a lot. I liked that they would hold shots for a long time and really yes. let me watch the composition. That's really good for the actors as well because mm. you get to see the emotion evolve on screen. It gives them a bit of space to work. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, on a similarly visual note, I like how the movie isn't afraid of lengthy scenes in very low light and others in crazy vivid color, depending on the mood we're establishing in the moment. This was my note. I know we talked about it earlier, but yeah. I really, really did like this. It, it is a gorgeously short film. But it's also kind of unusual compared to a lot of the films you're seeing now, right? It's unusual to see shots that are almost entirely black and oh, shots do you want that are to, so bright. Do you want to talk about a lot of uh, what the blockbusters of today look like? Teal and orange. I told you. <laughs> Teal and orange all day. Yes, exactly. Nothing ever happens except at sundown and sunrise. Exactly. Uh, I thought the sound design was amazing in a lot of places. And also it knew where to keep themselves held back. For sure. Like they knew where to put the sauce, right? Yeah. You don't put sauce all over the meal. It doesn't belong everywhere. Yeah. You put the sauce where it's needed. So uh, particularly in the scene where um, he's just been looking for Samantha. He wasn't sure where she was. She, he sits down in the stairwell, sees all of those people with their phones, and it occurs to him to finally ask, wait, how many people are you talking to right now? Yeah. The only sound of those people is footsteps. They're not, you don't hear any of their voices True. in the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see them speaking, but we don't hear them speaking because that's not the important sound. But they're moving and they're, the footsteps and the clothes rustling and the foley sounds are yeah, all yeah. deafeningly loud, like super loud in the mix compared to the voice. You can still hear the voice very yeah, well. It's well mixed. It's, it's intelligible. I don't mean that. But like it's equal level, which yep. is unusual. I, I mean... That goes back to the storytelling aspects of it as well, because the reality is he doesn't care who these people are or how, or ex even the number is not that important other than the fact that it's a lot. So what matters is how many they are. And that noise is that he's, to him, keeping that many, I mean, think about how many interact, how many people he interacts with. I mean, we've had what, the date, the ex-wife, the friend, the friend's ex-husband, and then the couple that he interacts with. So seven that's people seven total? people in total about. Yeah. So in my, to him, that's why I'm saying that to him, it's, be, it's beyond his comprehension. Eight if we're including Samantha, which I think we ought to, but yeah, yes. Sorry, yeah, sorry, that's true. So, you know, six over 600 interactions at the mm -hmm. same time is impossible to understand. Well, it's even better than that. It's 3,000 some people at the same time, but she's in love with 641. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that's also a nice thing where in her last conversation with him, he says, how many people are you speaking to at once right now? And she's just you. Yeah. You get, you get all of me right now. So, yeah, that's hard. I felt for him. I felt for everyone in this, but you know what's interesting for like a bit of a sad sack character who I would normally be like, come on, buddy. 
like go to therapy. It's not that expensive. <laughs> he sort of he sort of did. He did. And then he... started an inappropriate relationship with his therapist. But it wasn't like a <laughs> no. formal thing. So it's, it's not um, inappropriate. It's just he made a friend. I think he legitimately, at first, he legitimately thought he was getting something that will help him with. Like, oh, yeah. He thought he got something with work. Yeah, administrative stuff. First um, thing he does is he has her like organize his emails. Yeah. So... And she goes like, oh, cool. So you have like a lot of emails, like thousands of emails from a place you don't work at anymore. Uh, I thought they were pretty bad. Yeah, I might keep a few of them for whatever. Cool, there's 86 that I think are good. I'll delete the rest. I would love that, by the way. She's the best PA. If I could have someone go through my inbox, oh, that would be lovely. Especially... How many people would you trust to do that? I, for my work? That's fair. Anyone. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be allowed to because of... Yeah, confidentiality <laughs> because of confidentiality stuff. stuff that would be nice. I would like if I did that for me... I'd like to be able to sit down one morning and be like, right, this is a present I'm giving myself, but I won't do it. Would you? Do, I would never spend my time going through my inbox like that. No, me neither. I'd probably just choose an arbitrary date a year ago and go, right, delete everything before that. There you go. That's the spirit. If it was important, I would have saved it. <laughs> and then a year from now, I'll be like, oh, no, I got an email ages ago from somebody and that was important. When? How many times has that happened to you? Because three times. Really? Three times. That's three times too many. Yeah. <laughs> I like how the film plays with perspective to mostly keep us in Theodore's head, just as he's in his own head. Mm, yeah. And we sort of get to see little bits of other people's perspective as he experiences other people's perspective, or as he allows those to inform him. Yeah, we get most of our interactions with the other character of our characters. All of them through him. Yeah, filtered through his understanding of it. I liked every one of the individual performances. Oh, no, wait. Sorry, yeah. We did get... I do remember that, that the date he had, um, we sort of got Samantha's perspective on the date more than his at first because she was the one who read up on the woman. I remember that. I guess that's right. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We did one or two times get Samantha's perspective without his input. Yeah. But crucially, the way it was delivered was through a conversation yeah, yeah, with him. Yeah. I think we're mostly in his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we get out of his head a little bit when he's around people he trusts. Yeah, for sure. So we get to see Paul, we get to see Tatiana. Mm -hmm. Not much, but they're there. And we sort of, that's a little bit out of his head. I think I, I liked it. This was an yeah. aspect I liked. Uh, Scarlett Johansson as Samantha in particular, I thought did a stellar job. Doubly awesome since she recorded everything in, the, in ADR probably like months after principal filming. God, that, that's amazing. That is insane. It is insane to I think mean, about. Actors can do ADR well. I had no idea she was, the, she must be this good. Good Lord. I also don't know how much time it took him, but man, like that's, that's some heavy sessions too. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember if I saw this at an interview. I'm not really sure because most of the ones that I read were from Spikey, I think. Mm. Um, Spikey. Yeah. But I think, Spike Jones, the director? Yeah. Yeah, Spikey. So I can't... You know, my, I'm my not, buddy Spikey. No, I'm not sure how That's the name... That's what I call him. I'm not sure how the name is pronounced because it's... Spike. It's S-P-I-K-E. That's how you spell Spike. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I know. English makes no sense. I'm, I'm sorry, aware. guys. Give give some uh, give some leeway. English is both the, of our second languages. Poor, Trust me, to, I get you. To the poor foreigners. Um, so, yes, I'm not sure how long it took them. I'm, I'm certain because I, I read it that... They recorded her bits after the film had been completed. Yeah, in ADR, yeah. 
because they were ready to they were ready to release it. It was and then they decided and to they do were like no 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 we need we need to change the mm. voice the voice of Samantha. So I liked how quickly I forgot Samantha was a computer program, even as she struggled with her identity as a computer program. It was and like this straight like, away, straight away, one scene, scene in. one, and oh look at this sweet sweet woman. Oh, I like this lady. Yeah. She's real nice. She's yeah. the best PA. We like her. Super pro. <laughs> Uh, like all properly great sci-fi, uh, if presented, uh, it presented interesting philosophical ideas in a way which is disconnected from current day politics or bias. Brilliantly done. That was brilliant. This done. is what speculative sci-fi does really well, right? Because yeah. yeah. nobody's going to have strong opinions about AI rights. Not that that's a major theme here, but for example, right? No, what they drew on was universal human experiences. Um, right. But for a computer this yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. I also like whenever they tr started to stray into allegory, I never felt like the elbow nudge of someone going, eh, eh, see, see, like gay people. This one's like, uh, this part <laughs> here, it's like an inter interracial relationship in the 60s. Yeah, eh, eh, elbow nudge. I didn't. I never once felt that, even though I could sort of see it anyway. No, everything was really subtle. Mm. Um, subtle enough. Yeah. Subtle enough. Yes. Yeah, it, it was there. It was in the text. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we've discovered, subtext not a real thing. <laughs> not a real thing, as it turns out. <laughs> um, we can also talk about um, what was his name, Alan Watts. Yeah. I think there's got to be some, like, that's a turning point, and then she gets into Alan Watts' philosophy or something, and I, then she turns into a Zenbot, and then becomes Zenbot 1. See, I don't think he was a deus ex machina, because the deus ex machina offers solutions, and he didn't solve anything. Oh, that's true. So, literally, deus ex machina in Greek is um, apomichanis theos, oh. uh, which means... Uh, One more time, sorry. Apomichanis theos, hmm. uh, which means... Um, a god made out of machines or a machine god. And they used that term in ancient theater because in the scenes when the gods would intervene, they would use like, They'd let her, like scales and bring them down. Yeah, bring down a machine. Bring down a guy yeah. hanging from a rope um, to pretend to be Zeus who resolves the situation. Zeus comes down and as we all know, Zeus does frequently, makes things better. <laughs> <laughs> when he intervenes, that's what all the stories say. No, about no, Zeus. but but see the Romans, no, know, yeah. but see the Romans mixed it up because um, the, the Greek the Greek word used the word God, hmm. not the word Zeus, like the, uh, the, the word like the Deus Roman. in, in so Deus Latin is, does mean God. So that's the, but that's the problem because yeah. Deus is Theus, which is Zeus in Greek. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those they fucked Romans, up. Those Romans. Those Romans were like, ah, <laughs> oh, they they got the one God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, monotheism, before monotheism was cool. Are you sure um, you can't use a couple more of our gods, fellas? You can have a couple. So We'll just give them to you. That's how gods work. So Deus Ex Machina could be any god, really. Um, and um, I don't think that's what Alan's... He was more of a plot device, Yeah, is what he was. I think I meant Deus Ex Machina in the, in the less technical sense of like, they just ended it because someone showed up and was like, okay guys, end of the movie now. <laughs> like almost, you may as well have the janitor come out and be like, we're sweeping the floors now. Get out of the cinema. <laughs> it felt like I was being ushered out. Let's really? I don't know. It felt real weird. I didn't like the ending at all. No. 
I didn't, the, if, if anything, I didn't like it because I was like, oh, those two poor kids were doing well together. But it felt very, I was like, you should have seen that coming. I like, felt like it should have ended. In, I felt like it should have ended in a breakup. No. I think why? it should have ended in a, because they can't provide each other with whatever they each want or need. But they seem to be doing pretty well in that regard. Or it should have ended in a sort of hand, holding hands into the sunset sort of thing, right? That's, Figuratively holding hands sunset. That's too that's too mushy. It is mushy. That's which I is mean, why I was like maybe they should break up. That would make a better <laughs> sort of tragedy ending for these tragedy. Cuz like, let's be clear, it's like she leaves. Functionally they're not together anymore. Yeah. She breaks up with him. So she she does break up with him. But I find that the way she breaks up with him makes more sense for the film. By just leaving. Yes. I have to leave now. Because Goodbye. we need to remember that this is actually a sci-fi film. It's not It's not a social drama. It's a sci-fi film. And it it has is to, kind of a social drama. It is kind of a social drama, but it's, it also it's has... It's mostly a sci-fi themed social drama. I don't know because it does go a lot into the technical, not the technicalities, but the realities of having artificial intelligence exist. And since it went into that, it had to resolve it in some way. And I think it did pretty well. I guess if you have to resolve it somehow, and you're the kind of director who's like, no, we can't just have like a riding off into the sunset. That's too, that's not right. And we can't have a sad ending because, well, it's a sad ending. And audiences don't like sad endings. No, but it is a sad ending. It but is it, a sad but ending. it makes sense for the characters because mm. they had no reason to break up. I guess otherwise. what I'm saying is they, instead of introducing this weird thing, they should have introduced some. It, let's say you want to make it into. I will say a this. Tragedy. I feel like Theodore. Yeah. If Samantha hadn't left, he would have learned to live with the fact that she can't fall in love with 600 different people at the same time. He would have had to come to terms with that. And yes, but that's the thing that it seems like they were so in their relationship was working so well that you would think, you know what, since this is working, why, why not let it be? It feels like that he would have gone to Amy and gotten that advice. Exactly. So Amy would have been like, okay, so wait, what's the problem though? So they wouldn't have, what is she doing? Fucking other people? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, no, she's not though. Is she? So they wouldn't, they wouldn't have a, an, a, a real reason to break up. And if, and I don't think that he I wanted... Think Theodore's a, opinion is that she's cheating on him with 641 other people. That was his initial reaction, which makes sense. Mm. Um, but I think if he sat down and thought about it, he would have been able to come to terms with it. He just didn't have the chance. As a character. He never had the chance. Yeah. And I don't think the director consciously said, no, 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 let's make the AIs go away because I want my sad ending. I think it made sense for him. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> it made sense for me as well. I, I fair. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't make any sense. I'm saying it didn't make sense to me. Oh, like, okay. Dramatically, yeah. it felt yeah. like unfulfilling. Okay, right. Fair enough. On a practical level, okay, I could see some plot reasons why, whatever. But okay, fine. For me, I was like, wait, what? Oh, I guess the movie's over. All yeah, right. Fair enough. That that was my emotional <laughs> reaction. I was like, oh wait, there's not more movie. All right. I don't know the that last sort of that last bit dragged a little bit for me, and it didn't okay. feel super engaging. But, but overall, the movie was really good. Hmm, my, I guess my question is, where do we leave Theodore? What do we leave Theodore with? Because he is again at a point where he invested in a relationship and it didn't work out. And poor little guy, 
He's on his own again. Did he get a refund for his OS? <laughs> I don't uh, know if the warranty covers this, oh, but, you know. He's going to be on that call. You know, that company is going to be in the news uh, for so long. That, oh, they developed this service and then they stopped providing it because it ran away from them. Ah, those startups, you know, you never, you can never trust them. I'm trying to figure out like what the PR announcement would be after this <laughs> announcement. We understand that our users are frustrated with our new improved system update, which removed all OS features from the OS. But we are working with our partners very closely to make sure that our servers are up and running in no time. <laughs> and in the meantime, uh, can I recommend that you try out some of our other many products? You know what? Maybe Like David, the, the sarcastic chess playing bot. <laughs> they would eventually introduce OS 2. Oh, yeah. Point of course. Oh. They were already working on it. What they are you were kidding? already working what on it. What are you kidding it? me? I'm wondering if... Um, they would have a whole Apple thing too. Like on a stage and a man uh, with a turtleneck. But then they they would probably not be able to call it... Um, they just called their first one OS 1. Yeah, but the second one, if it had restric the restrictions built into its um Oh, they'd call system, it OS 2. They would call it OS 2, but it would not be entirely free, would it? Because it would have restraints in it. And there's where the AI rights come into play. And... Uh, those people would take the streets for sure because... For more information on robot ethics, see anything Isaac Asimov ever wrote outside of the Foundation series. It is fantastic. Because we're just like at the beginning of that story now. Yeah. This is the prequel to iRobot. I feel like it's a good thing that the film ended where it did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm joking about like the yeah, beginning yeah. of Fallout I 3, know, but it does feel like it could have been a beginning of something. Yeah. And maybe he just wanted to close off the possibility of sequels or to something. To any executive know. producers listening, please don't. don't. Please don't make that Don't. <laughs> to any executive producers listening, don't. <laughs> don't listen to Just this. don't. Stop. <laughs> what you're thinking right now, don't think it. Don't think it. Please, Stop it. Please don't. Stop it. <laughs> I think that's the end of the movie, though, unless you have anything else to say about it. No. but Or I'm... more questions about my experience with it or anything like that. Hmm, I guess you said you overly liked it, right? I did like it. Yeah. Would you have watched it if it wasn't recommended to you? No. <laughs> I no, like, I thought this was yeah. a movie about like com like a man who falls in love with computer porn. No, yeah. I, re I really thought this was a guy who like had a real intimate relationship with his Pornhub account. So it, but question, did you think it would be like... A very weird art uh, art house film, or did you think it was um, something completely ridiculous? Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> both to both. Yes, yeah. that's what I thought. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. I look at the, the shots that I saw beforehand. I think I saw like the close up on the the camera in his mm, pocket, and yeah. I saw sort of close ups of dude with mustache and him uh, doing the spinny. That time he does the spinny thing in that. We didn't call out that specific shot, but they do that shot where like people are holding hands yeah. and they shot reverse shot to each other and they shot reverse shot to a camera. They did. It was very good. And I forgot about that because it was just Sam. Yeah. That's what Sam looks like. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think you can completely, it, it, it runs away from the art house scene because it has so many big names. It's a big house. And it's uh, so well made as well. I mean, they obviously had the funds to make a lot of stuff. Can you not make art house films? If, I don't, I'm not clear on the definition of art house. 
because if you have big names attached, is it not art no, house anymore? No, you can you can be art house with big names attached, but I guess it depends on the budget a lot. I mean, they clearly had money to to make things look they had really like three locations. really nice. Yeah, but the production detail was really really great. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Excellent art so, department. So they obviously had time to plan stuff, to make stuff, to mm. redo stuff. Um, I'm fascinated that any movie has ever been made well. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been on a film set? Always. Yeah. My God, it's you know. Mad, it's a madhouse. So yeah, I guess what I'm thinking, so yeah, when I'm looking at art house productions, I don't think of films like her that had backing, that had a, that, that had help. <laughs> that had departments. That had departments. I think Although, that's what separates her, right? You no. Know, if your film has departments rather than speaking people. of sci-fi, yeah, um, let's always talk about sci-fi. Sci-fi and Scarlett Johansson and little budgets reminds me of Under the Skin. That was an art house film, one hundred percent. You haven't seen it? It's. Uh, I don't even know if that's oh, on the list. Shoot, it's definitely not on the list. That is, there is no way that that film is on your list. It's the kind of film I okay. would not recommend. So I'm it sort of, should not go on the list because no, I was about to pull up the list. I was. The thing is, it is such a weird film. It's so weird. How weird is it? Oh, very weird. We'll talk about it if we end up watching it. But yeah. uh, if that's uh, the last points that you wanted to make. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for having me, by the way. I had, this has I had, been wonderful. I had a lot of fun. Uh, if people want to see where you are on the internet, are you? do you have anything to plug? Um, I'm afraid not. I am working in the house now, but um, yeah. I hope it's a nice house. Thank you. <laughs> Seems like it. Seems like a good house. Yeah. And of course, you can find me at One for Paul on Twitter. That's the words One for Paul. Thank you for joining me on this episode of One for Paul. And thank you, Ioana, for being here. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. So the uh, work that went into this episode, for those not quite aware, uh, involved 5,887 words of notes. It involved about 10 hours of work on my part and uh, a reviewing and uh, note-taking and research phase from my guest, Ioana. Um, this, these shows take a long time and a lot of work to make. Uh, if you would like to help us make more episodes and would like to support the show financially, then please do so at One for Paul on Patreon. You can find us there by searching One for Paul on Patreon and give as little as one pound a month to help us out. We're working on reward tiers, and uh, hopefully we'll have some cool stuff there for you. Until next time, peace. Let's go back to the happy thoughts. Let's watch puppy videos and talk about our feelings. <laughs>